The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and hosts. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to another fun, exciting, action-packed, and long edition of the Very Poorly Made Police memes podcast i'm your host lloyd how are you guys i hope this podcast finds you well this episode we leave the country for the last time this season i think and we go to france where the naked ladies dance and there's a hole in the wall where the boys can see it all i hope everybody else knows that song or that just sounded really weird this episode i talked to a cop out in france we learn about policing in france He's a really good guy, really good stories, good sport with all the jokes about white flags and everything else. I think you guys are going to enjoy the podcast. But before we get into the podcast, obviously, big thanks to OfficerPrivacy.com. They've made each and every one of these Sunday podcasts possible. Without them, it would not be possible. So make sure to go send them some love. And while you're sending them love, why don't you go take care of your privacy? I've said it many times on the podcast, but one of my main concerns when I was still on the job was if I'm involved in some kind of critical incident, not only do I need to worry about IA and the DA and everything else going on, but I have to worry or I had to worry about the people on Twitter, people on Reddit, people everywhere finding my address and posting it. I've seen so many news stories where an officer is involved in a critical incident. They're named people post their address in the comments of news stories. It is so easy for people to look up your address and it's, Because of these people search sites, for a variety of reasons, your information gets placed on these people search sites. I would challenge everybody, get on Google, put your name in, in the city you're in, and all these different sites are going to pop up where people can get your information. What officer privacy does is they scrub you from those sites. They have a do-it-yourself option where they give you the tools to take care of it, and you can go through and do it on your own. Personally, I think it's very time-consuming, and I pay the professionals to deal with it. Officer Privacy has a premium service. That's what I use. It's awesome. I filled out a sheet one time. They continue to monitor my information, and if I somehow pop back up on one of these sites, they get rid of me again. It's awesome. It's peace of mind, and so if I go back to the job, I don't have to worry about that. And frankly, I don't want people coming to my house anyway, so... It's not just for cops. It's for anybody listening. If you value your privacy, you don't want your information out there, check them out, officerprivacy.com. With that said, let's get straight into the podcast. We'll play a little bit of uh, Greenwood, a.k.a. Brownlow, 
and uh, we'll be right back with Pepe. I'm running from what's coming. I'm afraid of what it is. All the times I've opened up, I've just been giving shit because it's hard and you're broken. You've heard so many times. What goes around comes around. I fall guilty of their crimes. I'm no better than they are. They're just as lost as me. My conscience gets a grip. It takes a hold on me. Just because I'm broken don't mean I can't be fixed. It'll just take some time, some practice. Joining us all the way from France, where the naked ladies dance, I have Pepe. How are you, bud? Hello there. Pretty good about you. Very good. I got to ask, there's a song that kids in America sing, and I don't know why. I don't know where this song came from. I just remember on playgrounds in the 90s singing a song, and the lyrics were, there's a place in France, where the naked ladies dance, there's a hole in the wall so the boys can see it all. Are you familiar with that song at all? Or is that something that Americans made up and it's fucking weird? Yes, I believe it's an American thing because I ain't really familiar with this. <laughs> okay, so there's not like a French version of that song? Like there's a, a place in Manhattan where the guys are happening or something like that? Well, um... Not exactly. I think it's an American thing. You guys are really special when it comes to France. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, you're you you like you. First of all, you you talk about French fries. You go. You guys are really. You, you, I'm sure you really think it's it's French thing. It's a French thing for you. But I- let me tell you something. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not from France. You guys are really special about France. But no, no, no. It's not from France. It's from Belgium. It's from Belgium. You know, I've I got to be honest with you. I've never put a lot of thought into French fries and where they came from. You know, you make the assumption they're called French fries. But I don't know if you remember this. There was a big thing here in the early 2000s. I think it had to do with the Iraq war. And people here were mad at you guys for something. And instead of calling it French fries, we called them freedom fries for a little bit. Yeah, you remember exactly. that? Remember. Yeah, after the second Iraq war in 2003, when uh, the French government refused to get uh, get involved in the in the war. I, I remember that. I was pretty young at this time, but um, that's probably the first time I feel hate throughout uh, from Americans because the um, the United States of America and France got a long story, first friend, and it was really the first time that France stepped away from America. And, um, yeah, I, I remember that time. That, that was not a great time between our two countries, let's be honest. But I do remember well, 2003. That's right. Yeah, now that you said that, I, I remember that. And it's, man, that seems like so long ago. And ever since that point, I feel like Americans have kind of, you know, France is kind of the, the butt of jokes, you know, waving the white flag and all and never winning a war. But exactly. I, I do want to remind people that the war for our independence long, long ago, who helped us? That's us, the French. Exactly. Because you know why, you know why we, we have the United States? Because, well, we're never, because we never miss an, an, an opportunity to piss off some British. 
that's 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 the truth. We help uh, the United States to gain its dependence because it was pissing off the British. Because you know, France and Britain got a long story of getting involved in wars, but you know what? Now we're we're friends, and um, let's let's remember that France is the the United States' first friend. You know, this is like a really this is a bad analogy, right? But it's almost. And I don't want to make light of everything that happened in the early 2000s, because obviously, you know, 9-11, the war's bad, lost a lot of Americans, lost a lot of people from all over the glo- globe in those wars. But, you know, you guys not going to war with us, it's almost like, you know, when your buddy wants to get in a fight and you're, you're like, dude, let's just go home. Let's go home. It's like, no, I'm going to fucking kick this guy's ass. And so instead of being mad at the guy you wanted to fight, you're mad at your buddy. Because he wouldn't back you up. Yeah, that's, exactly. That, that's kind of how I great, see that. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting how you see that. Because in France, um, when you talk about this specific period of time, most of the people will say that that was a great response from France to not get involved into this war. But I believe if you get into the United States, still today, some people will you know, be upset about France. Uh, it really depends on uh, on a lot of things, but it's still today. Uh, I believe that there are some rivalry due due to this um, due to this French decision to not getting involved. Yeah, I I can say my small corner of the world that I don't. You know, there's not a lot of whole. There's not a lot of thought about the French, and I don't think there's any anger, at least that I can tell from the French. And to be frankly honest. I was pretty young at the time of the wars, like, um, you know, or late teens. And a lot of people now look at back at Iraq. Wow. We're, we're not even, we're going off the rails here. We're not even talking about what we're supposed to be talking about, but just my perception, a lot of people talk about that and they're like, we shouldn't have gone. Yeah, and exactly. A lot of so, Americans were, were, were killed in this war. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I I try not to get too crazy about the uh, the world politics type stuff. A, because I'm not very worldly, and B, we're talking about governments. We're not talking about the people. You know, and that's something I brought up in other podcasts. Is you know most most places all over the world, not everywhere, but the people people get along. It's just disagreements uh, between the governments, which are the problem. But I did want to talk to you about your current relationship with the British. Is there still like a friendly rivalry or do you guys still hate each other? It depends. It depends. You know, the Brit- the British and the, um, and the French got a long story, very long. I'm going to tell you a personal story about my family. Okay. My grandfather, um, uh, I would I would explain to you why I went to law enforcement, but my great grandfather, uh, my grandfather, sorry, uh, was involved in World War II. He went to Dunkirk. I don't know if you know the Battle of Dunkirk uh, alongside I, the British. I think I do know. Yeah, I think I've read about that. This movie that called Dunkirk. If, if anybody is listening, uh, you should watch this movie. It's pretty good. Anyway, uh, my, my, my grandfather was involved in Dunkirk. And uh, the battle went badly because the German uh, overtakes French and British forces. And they had to retreat. So uh, there's an operation called Operation Dynamo, 
which was about to um, leave some time to the Brits in order to regroup in Dunkirk, which is located in northern France, near near uh, the Channel, and they could get safely back to England. So French fights very hardly in uh, in this area to keep the Germans away so the British could escape. My grandfather, uh, with after some uh, very rude battle, decided to it's time to leave as well. So they retreat with its units directly to the beach and they try to get into a British boat. And they were refused by the British to embark on these boats. So my grandfather was led on the beach and they had to surrender to the Germans. And my grandfather was sent to a concentration camp in what we used to call Czechoslovakia, which is a region of the actual Poland. It, it was annexed to the German Reich. And my grandfather uh, spent the rest of the war there until it was liberated by the Soviet troops in 1945. And my father was born in 1947. My father is a, what we can call a baby boomer. And he raised my father in a way that he used to hate the British very hardly due to this incident, because he almost got killed in a concentration camp because the British wouldn't let them on the boats. My grandfather was very, you know, he, he wanted to fight the Germans, but when it's too, when it's not possible, it's not. You just get captured. You don't have no choice. Whether you die, whether you follow them. So I, my father was raised into a British hate, and I was born in 1995, a couple of years before, and my grandfather passed away in 1999, so I didn't spend much time with him, but I lived throughout my father. And um, the relationship I have with the British is kind of different, you know, I'm way more relaxed about the British. We still joke around, you know, uh, if you don't have honor, you are a Brit. And um, if, uh, but it's only joke for me. We have re rivality on football, what you call soccer, uh, rivality on a very, a lot of sports. But today I believe we're still good friends. That is a crazy story. I didn't know all that. And I could definitely understand why your grandfather and your father would hate the British. The British. Hey, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh. Because you imagine that you're saving their ass, and then they won't. Yeah, Europe yeah. changed a lot since the world, uh, since the end of World War Two, and to today. Now it's pretty common to see German driving in France. You see, they are plates. We got, you know, you we got license plates just like you guys have different license, different license plates throughout the states, so you can spot easily a Florida man in in Wisconsin or in Louisiana. But you can easily spot a German in France because their plates do have the mention D for Deutschland. And, um, but, you know, because of the European Union, no, it, we have no border throughout the Union, okay? We can cross uh, a country to another without a border. There's a border, but it's pretty, um, how to say that? It's pretty, it's just a line, you know. There's no police stop, no check. You can be stopped, but it's not usual. 
And uh, my grandfather, when he used to see the first German cars driving in France, he was really, really upset. Could you imagine? You you went you went through war, you went to a concentration camp, and then you were back to France. And like 20 years later, you see German driving in France. And it, it has to be a very difficult time. But you know? We're still good friends with the German. We have rivalry, but we're still good friends. And I believe that's the most important thing. We're still good friends and we need to stick each other against the real enemy, which is terrorism. And uh, that's we went hit very hardly, I could tell you, in my career. I, I, I experienced several things, uh, especially in Paris. I will talk to you later on. Well, let's, uh, we'll jump into that in just a second. But for the millions of listeners out there, can you talk a little bit about why you got into law enforcement? Well, I got into law enforcement. It was a family affair. My father is, uh, was a law enforcement officer. And um, I spent all my childhood remembering my dad uh, going to work. And sometimes uh, in uniform, always in uniform, because uh, before it was mandatory to went to the station in uniform. Now it's it's forbidden. But I remember that. I remember my dad went to pick me up at school with the actual police car. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid and your dad uh, comes to that school, pick you up in a police car, you just you you just became a celebrity. <laughs> and I remember I was playing with um, the light and siren, you know, the typical French siren. And uh, that, that was my first memories. That was my first memories. And. I fell in love with law enforcement. It does, it's a love-hate relationship. got to tell you, like a lot of cops, but explain to you that later on. But I fell in love with that job, and that was I always wanted to, to be a police officer since I was very young. And um, I became 19, and at 19, uh, I decided to become a police officer. And uh, still today, I am. In France, are there multiple to in France, are there multiple police departments or? I got to tell you, I would explain to you. Yeah, go, uh, explain how that works. If it's yeah, like state it's pretty, police it's or pretty, whatever. Pretty, it's pretty different for the United States. We're not a federal state. So we have different region, but one state. So we're, we're not there for, uh, federal states. There's uh, only the state that counts. We have uh, three different law enforcement agencies. We have the national police. I am a national police officer. My jurisdiction is the whole country. Um, I do have off-duty carry, uh, weapon carry, off a arm. And there's a similar law enforcement agency. It's the Gendarmerie Nationale. This is the military police. We do have our own jurisdiction, which is the whole country, but the police, the national police will work in big cities. And the gendarmerie will work on, you know, like um, county. I don't know what you say that. Not in cities, in in back like country. Rural areas kind of thing. Rural areas, that's okay. the term. And the third law enforcement agency, it's the local police. The local police is not always armed, which is uh try is which is changing now. Um uh, around fifty percent of them are armed. And uh, it's the mayor that decides. And uh, there's ju their jurisdictions. It's the city that they are in. And uh, that's we have three 
that's the free. So the military police, we call him the gendarmerie, for, uh, national uh, officers, they are national officers. National police department, uh, whole jurisdiction, uh, whole country, but work most in the cities. And the local police, they do work everywhere they are, they are hired. And we have another one, which is the local, uh, which is the custom and border protection. They, they are national officers, but they do work for the financial financial department. But they are armed as well, and they are for arrest and everything. So you have three police departments and one custom department. So for the local police, and I'll just use Paris as an example. Does Paris have a local police department, or would Paris just be covered by the state police? Well, it's Paris is a different story. Okay, there's the French history is pretty, pretty big, and um, I don't remember the exact date, but the 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 city of Paris went into an uprising, um, and they tried to uh, separate from France a long time ago, which called them the Commune. So the King of France took uh, took action, and they get back uh, into the control of the city and until then they are not allowed to get their own police department it's not allowed until last year so they didn't have their own police department paris was covered by the national police and the national gendarmerie nationale which used to cover uh, the paris and the paris metropolitan area which is very big so 90 percent are covered by the police and the rest is covered by the local police with the new local police. The, uh, it's a local PD that was created last year, so it, it's only their beginnings. But most of the cops you will see in Paris, they are national officers or military officers for sure. Okay, so, and I don't know any, I, I'm not worldly at all, so I don't know any of the, the other towns in France. Like Lyons would be another city, right? Yes, exactly. It's uh, sovereign cities. Okay, so would Lions have their local police and exactly. the state police? Exactly. You can. You, they have their own local police, which is a very, very modern and very nicely nice local police, a very professional one. And uh, they do also do have uh, the state police. The state police do have power arrest, and they also have the power to investigate, which does not have the local police. The local police does not investigate. They just patrol and arrest. When they arrest somebody, they went to the national police station and take the guy there and do their report and they're free to go. Uh, a national officer will arrest and can investigate, you know, you can, but we have special uh, investigators and uh, they are, it's their own job. My job, I'm a patrol officer. I do arrest person. I don't investigate that much. But I do have this power that I do not use because we have officers that are dedicated to this task. So let me let me throw a hypothetical out at you and we will we'll use like lions. If like a call goes out over the radio, are local officers and state officers going or who would get the first call? Where the first uh, it depends if it's very severe. Very dangerous. We send our national officers because we're 
I, I won't say better trained because it's tending to change, you know, but it's the it's the way we're sending the force. And when when we talk about the force, it's the national force. Okay. Uh, because we have more power over them, and uh, we can storm a house, we can uh, we can um, detain person, we can do search, we can do a lot of things. And they are limited in their powers. But I will ex- try to explain to you in a simply reason, in a simply matter later on. So let's get an example. Um, car excited. There is an excited. On the road, we'll send local police to see what's going on. If it's a very serious crash with multiple person injured, and we'll send national officers to get on the scene, but local officer will stay there, but it will be in, in the orders of the national officers. So when I get there, uh, I see local police, I'm going to greet them and say, okay, guys, can you shut down traffic? Can you do that? And then I will do the investigation part of myself and they will help us. Okay. It's a really help relationship that we have with them. Okay. So it, it is a good relationship between the different officers i wasn't sure if there was a uh, if they looked down on them because here in the states you know there's a lot of i wouldn't not real animosity but there's some rivalry between sheriffs and troopers and city cops which they all have their own different jurisdictions but it sounds like the local guys and the national guys and gals get along pretty good it's depend on the city for me i work i know i i, I don't work in Paris specifically, because there's a city of Paris and there are a lot of other cities around cities jump to Paris, but it's not Paris. It's uh, other cities. I do work in northern suburbs and we have a local police and we have good relationship with them. So there's no problem. But I know cities that they don't have good relationship, but it depends on the mayor. You know, sometimes you got mayors that are politically involved and, you know, just like in the States, some political person don't like the police because it's uh it's a new thing not to like police uh, i never understood why but you know so their 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 local police will likely looks like what the mayor it is you understand that and i believe that's not the that's the problem of the local police they are too much dependent from the mayor and you know national officers they are only dependent from the states so you know uh, i think it's way more um, how to say that? It's way more serious, you know. When you are in trouble with national officers, way more in serious than local police. But we get good relationship with them. We joke on each other, you know, because sometimes they do need our helps because uh, we have more powers. So they call us, and we just solve the situation like easily because we have more powers, more tools. But sometimes they help us because uh, they are, you know, what everything related to. Uh, um, Parking, parking um, to ticket, uh, parking ticket, and everything. Sometimes we're sent to these calls, and we need their help because it's it's their business, you know. So it's a um, it's a good relationship from uh, from what I see. So, what is the hiring process to become an officer in France? Do you do they send you to school? Do you have to get certified first? How does it work? So. There's um, if you want to be a national police officer or a national gendarme military officer, you get a a, a test to pass. It's each year they're the hiring person, but it's 
France, uh, in, in the entire France. So you went through a first task of uh, of, um, of test. It's a writing test to see if you're writing good, if you're if you're not stupid and everything. You have a psychology test, and then if you if you are good at this test, you are going to physical test. So you get to do some physical exercise. Um, don't remember how it went because it's, it, it's changed a lot throughout the years. And after, if you're good, you're going into a an interview with uh, five high-ranking officers and they will ask you about uh, why you want to join the police. And with this high uh, five officers, there's a one psychologist and uh, and the psychologist will try to um, to get a view on you. No, you, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. if you if you uh, if you successfully uh, pass this test, you will be sent into uh, one of our national police uh, school. We have several. We have um, one, two, three, four, five, like like six or seven schools, <laughs> and uh, they are located all uh, in France. And you are going there for one year. You stay there 12 months. Uh, it's a uh, very, very rude training. You got uh, law training. You got uh, shooting training. You got uh, fighting training. You, you got uh, driving training. It's pretty rude. And after that, you get one year in your service. After that, that year, you choose your, your police station due to the rank you had uh, after the school. And after you are sent one year as a probationary officer, so you won't you will be uh, with uh, with another officer. We never work alone, but you will be you will have a specific officer assigned to you. And uh, during that year, you are still in test. And after that, you became a certified police officer. And uh, that's that's it. You're, you you become certified after two years to to be. To be certified is two years. Are you paid during the schooling and the training? Exactly. You are paid from the very first time you enter um, the police academy. You are paid like uh, in euro, uh, 119, I believe. Like almost 2,000 bucks, you know. And then it goes on with the years. Uh, with the years. But um, yes, you are paid. Is just since we're talking about money is the salary for a french officer pretty good or do you guys live pretty okay or is it do you think it should be higher well when you talk about money everybody's gonna is gonna ask more you know it's it's normal everybody yeah. wants more let's be yeah. honest yeah i want to be a millionaire but you know yeah. <laughs> I, I wish i could but let's let's be honest i'm just a cop so the salary used not to be that so good, but now it's changing. They are raising money, and I do live nicely. I won't, I'm not gonna lie, live nicely. But compared to what you guys are paid in the United States, it's not that good, you know. But it's still very good. Uh, we are what we call functionnaire, which it means that we work for the states. So it's very, very difficult to get fired like almost impossible <laughs> and um um the bank if you want to make um make a loan the bank really appreciate because they know that whatever happens you're gonna get your salary so there won't be any problem it's one of the advantage 
But uh, yeah, when it comes to money, it's pretty good. But, you know, everybody wants more. Obviously. And France does have universal health care, right? Exactly. We do have universal health care. That's, that's the reason why a lot of friends stays in, in France. I gotta tell you, it's, I've never, uh, I went to America several times. You know, first time I went to the United States, I was like 16. I went to New York twice. I went to um, um, Florida. I went third, third time there. I went to Louisiana. I went to Texas. And I went to Arizona as well. And um, I love the United States, you know. And when first time I went to the United States, I was really shocked about the healthcare because, you know, I'm French. And I was raised all my time. And if, and for me, it was normal that it was free. You know, they didn't pay the hospital. They didn't pay the ambulance. They didn't pay anything. And it was like a cultural shock to realize that, yes, in the United States, it's not that free. You need to have insurance and, and everything. I don't, I'm not very... Um, I don't know much about your system, but I believe it's the way it works. If I'm saying bullshit, just stop me. Nope, that's it. And and I was really shocked. And but you know, I realized that you guys earn much money than us for the same work. I believe so. I believe that the money that I don't have in compared to the United States, you guys have to pay like the insurance and everything. So I believe it's uh it's the same relationship we have with money from a French to an American officer. But yes, we do have uh, free healthcare, which I would tell you a personal story once again. Like uh, five years ago, my dad had a cardiac arrest. So it's hard to stop beating. My mom panicked and called uh, our local 911, which is 112, which is their universal emergency number. We got several, but they are changing to an universal one. So my mom called 112. They sent us firefighters and advanced life support ambulance. They arrived very quickly that my mom was still on the phone with uh, with the regulator and they went there. They take care of my dad and they sent a chopper, uh, an ambulance chopper. Uh, the, the, the helicopter land on the street. They cut down all the traffic. It was a mess, I believe so. And they took my dad into the best hospital in Paris, which was a two hours flight. And there it was treated so nicely that my dad almost recovered with no, um, how do you say that, with um, with all its physical capabilities. And we never paid absolutely anything. And I'm so grateful for this. And you can't imagine how I was grateful because my parents are no rich person. We're not rich person. And uh, I was very grateful. And that's one of the things that make me love my country because it takes care of its citizen. My country, isn't, my country ain't perfect. Like no country is perfect, but you can still love your country. That's one of the things I love. It. I This came up recently on the podcast with a cop from Sweden. And they kind of have the some same or similar things going on there. But he said there's kind of been an influx of people into the country that have kind of put a strain on those types of services, even with the high taxes and stuff. Are you seeing that in France too, where people are kind of abusing the system? Exactly. In this kind of thing, there are always people that will abuse the system in everything. 
We, France, France is a country that you can get easily money without working, let's be honest. Uh, I know some people that never work and just still get money, and that makes me sick, you know. And some people are, they are use, overusing the system, and that's why our taxes are going up. And some people are overusing the medical and the health care, especially people that some people, you know, arrive in France with no papers. We call them illegals. And they get treated. Uh, and they get treated there sometimes for a very serious thing. And it costs us a lot, you know. But it will come a day that we won't be able to pay for everybody. So we, uh, we, will, make, we will need to make a change in this system. But, you know, in, in other hands, when you're reading it, the system, the system's there. And they will they will do your best their best to preserve life, and I really hope that this system will never get away. But you know, some let's be realists. Uh, I believe sometimes we need to change the system because it's way more generous with, with people that do not participate to the society. They do not pay taxes, so sometimes it's really not normal for me. I believe it's the same case in Sweden. You know, Sweden is a part of the European Union, so we do share the same problems sometimes. Well, let's let's jump into that real quick and, and talk about some of the problems. What what's the big problems facing a French policeman right now? Well, the big problem with the police in France would be the same problem I believe in the United States. It's the media treatment from the police, and you know. Like there's a got a story like it happens um, last day, uh, an officer uh, shoot and kill a 17 years old guy that was driving a car and refused to stop. There were motor officers on motorbikes that chased him, and he, he was stuck on the traffic. Officer get on their bikes and uh, roll their guns on the car. The car is considered as a, as a weapon, you know. And uh, the guy, they went to the windshield and asked him to stop. And the guy drove and the officer shoot one shoot. And the guy was uh, hit in the head and he was killed on scene. There are se several videos with a lot of angles. You know, when such a incident happens, you know, a lot of videos can can come in the internet and the people were like they're going mad, you know, they kill somebody and everything. Just like it's pretty similar to the George Floyd affair, but like it's now happening in France. It's happening right now. Like my city was burning that night. I couldn't sleep that much because they were burning cars and burning buildings and everything. And I was really worried about my car because I do care about it. And I really want to go to work <laughs> tomorrow. So uh, I was really worried about this. But, you know, what makes um, the fire more aggressive? It's the media treatment that diffused all the, these videos without context, without saying anything. They were bashing officers and people were mad and they are still mad. And we are facing um, what we call protests, very violent protests, just like similar to George Floyd you guys had uh, after the incident. So the problem with the French police would be the treatment from the media and the treatment from its own government sometimes. Sometimes we didn't feel very support by our 
like our president or prime minister or security minister. And that's, I believe, the main problem of the police. But I think it's a, I think it's an international problem. Like it's not like French or European. I think it's international. Sometimes when you work and you don't feel support by uh, by your president, it's still it's not it's not very good for a police department. Very similar, very similar to some of the issues that we are facing here. I know some people and Instagram had some questions, and we're going to get to those later. But I I know some people on there had talked about, and again, I'm not very worldly. I don't know a lot about France, but you guys have some protests going on right there, like anti-government protests going on. Is that correct? Yeah, but you know, French, they are always protesting. Let's be honest. They are always protesting for everything. They're protesting because of the taxes. They are protesting because of the price of fuel. The, the French, when you talk about French, you talk about protests. They are professional. So it's, just, it's just another Tuesday. Yeah, it's not exactly Exactly. I went to very hard protest, like in 2018, when there were the yellow jacket protests. I didn't know if you were aware of this. You heard that before? No, what's that one? Yeah, it was a very rude protest during um, during 2018, 2019. Um, it was really close to revolution, let's be honest. We're really, really close to revolution. And that was one of the first time I experienced fear in the line of duty. And uh, for a couple of years, I was ashamed of this and never talked about it. But now, I'm, let's face it, I had fear during this time. Fear because I, I see that Paris was burning very, very hardly. And we were protecting um, what we call the Palais de l'Elysée. It's, uh, it's our White House, you know, to, to be in. To be simple, the president lives there. And we were protecting, and we know the president left by a chopper. And you know, when you see your president left the city, you know you're you know you're in trouble, you know. Um, and there was very rude protest, very, very hard protest, and uh we had a lot to use force, tear gas, uh rubber bullet, um, and there were a lot of person injured in both sides, and you know, the people that were protesting were were not only thugs and and you know what we can see in daily protests they were normal people and that's what shocked me because i was always facing like thugs and you know anti-capitalist person you know the usual type of, of person so but i was very shocked to see some normal people well what, what, what i call normal people some people that could be my friend could be my father could be my 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 brother, my sister, my mom, and I was really shocked about this. And a lot of them went went uh, um, through hard things because it was really hard from both sides. And yeah, protest in France is a special kind of thing, and we are, in European Union, recognized as specialists in real con- real control. We do send our officers, train others in the, in the, in the union. And even worldwide, we send officers uh, trained uh, over nation like in Africa or in Asia in order to keep uh, real control. We have a specific uh, unit dedicated to real control. It's called the CRS, the Compagnie Républicaine de Sécurité, which they are real cop. You know, they are attached to the National Police Department, 
and we do have the same with the military police department. They, they have their several units dedicated to rail control. But, you know, when there are not enough, uh, you do send national officers, firstly, and then after you send local local officers. But they are trying not to send local officers because their their job is to be, like, more uh, more with the population and everything, not to be in a, in a riot control. It's not their way of... Um, that was the, the, the way that we use the local police. What was the end of the Yellow Jacket protest? At Did... the end of the, the Yellow Jacket government went back on several on several things. They lowered the price of gasoline, which was the main problem because you know when you, when you can't pay your gas, you can go to work. You know what I'm saying? And people yeah. were like, "I want to go to work." French people are hardworking people. They want to go to work. And they, they were like, fuck, the I can't pay the gas. My car isn't passing because I don't have any much money because it's too expensive. And they were like very, hard, very, very um, upset about this. And, you know, gas is a symbol of freedom. You know, you're not a golden little work. You, you don't only go to work with gas. You can go wherever you want. And it was a symbol of freedom and the French felt under attack and they react immediately. First, it was pacific, then it turns very violent. And it was the hardest protest since uh, like the end of the World War II. And our country almost got a revolution at this time. But the government went back on several things and the anger goes down. But we 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 will remember that period of time for for a very very long time, and we had a lot of officers were injured, and a lot of person also were injured, and that was not a good time. And it really, you know, the population never forget this, and it's pretty bad because sometimes the 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 relationship between uh, the citizen and the police went down. With this, with this uh, protest, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I assume there in here, there's a right to protest, and it's always tough for law enforcement because you, you know, you're not there to win, but you can't win because if you're there to keep the peace, well, then you're there standing in the way, you know. And as a cop, you can't, you know, really. And I assume it's the same there. You can't pick a side. You're there to you're there simply to keep the peace, to be a peacekeeper. And both sides kind of see you. It's like that same thing as like the bar fight scenario we were talking about earlier with, well, I'm mad at this guy, but now I'm mad at you. And the thing that sucks about being a cop is you're unfortunately the face of the government because you're the one there. You know, you're wearing a badge. And so sometimes those things are taken out on you or whenever there's civil unrest. And I know this is obviously kind of a duh thing, but whenever there's civil unrest, it just, it just sucks to be a cop because you're going to get fucking shit on. You're going to get stuff thrown at you. You're going to be the bad guy, no matter what happens. You can't do anything right in that situation. You're always going to be seen as being a brute. I mean, a lot of cops here during the George Floyd protest, the summer of love, you know, they had to use force and all these years later, they're being sued for it. They're, 
you know, going, you know, criminal prosecutions for it when the public put them in these really shitty situations. And it's just, I don't know if that's the price of freedom. I don't, I don't know, but it, it fucking sucks to be in a uniform during those situations. You know, you know in France, we got the, the um, protest is a right protected by the constitution. But you can protest in all the matters. You have to declare the protest into the local authorities. Otherwise, it is an illegal assembly, which is a felony. You know? So most of the protests are not uh, declaring to local authorities, so they are illegal assembly, and we have to disperse them. First, we make some, some warning, verbal warning, and then we use the use of force gradually. So we will use first um, small tear gas. And then we'll use rubber bullets. We will charge them, batons. And we will ask, uh, we will do it again and again. And after, if it didn't work, you can go very hardly like rubber bu- uh, more rubber bullets, water cannons and everything. But that's another story. But yes, um, Sometimes it's pretty hard because you are, um, you know, you, you're when people are protesting about the the price of gasoline. I am concerned as well. You know, I do have a car. I do have my own life. I do have my own problem. I do share the problem with the society because I'm a part of it. And sometimes you, you know, you understand and you you really understand what the people want, but you need to keep neutral and you will always be the bad guy because people will think that you represent the government, but you can be a cop and not like the government, but you can't tell. But, you know, it was pretty hard because, yeah, sometimes you feel concerned by problems like price of taxes, gasoline, and more and more problems. And, you need you need to disperse some some uh, illegal assembly and people will will believe that you are against them personally you know but it's not a case i'm just uh keeping uh, the peace uh, uh, and uh, i'm playing the law yeah and we have here basically kind of the same idea a peaceful assembly and i think people would make an argument that the government's gonna not gonna listen if it's peaceful, right? Because then there's no pressure. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, the, the things that you know led up to our revolution they weren't peaceful protests, obviously. And when people feel strongly about something, they're gonna be passionate about it. And to an extent, I I see that, but at least here, what people do here is and, and and it's hard too when you disagree with what they're protesting about is that you know a lot of the stuff in the summer uh of 2020 i didn't really agree with a lot of the protests but people are destroying people are destroying private businesses what did this business owner have to do with anything yeah nothing. exactly you're nothing taking, you're you're taking person in hostage you're you're damaging not government property. And what do you expect the cops to do? And what drove me nuts here is things got to a point here where throughout the country, police departments stood down 
and they just let these fucking groups of quote unquote protesters. It was a fucking riot. Just destroy shit, not government shit, just random people's stuff. And the argument is like, oh, well, they have insurance and it'll get paid for insurance costs money. Insurance goes up. I just I on one hand, I, I, I understand that in order to make the government do something. Sometimes you have to act beyond voting. But on the other hand, why are we taking it out on businesses? I assume you see the same thing there. They're burning businesses, really, not government buildings. I do really agree with you. There's an example. Last night, I told you there were protests in the city due to a shooting. And they make burn uh, a car that was uh, really close to the building. The building catch fire. And inside there were families. They had to evacuate. And... There's a famous guy, I don't remember his name on TikTok, he's doing videos with animals, like birds, cats, and everything. He's really passionate about the animals, and, you know, he loved its animals. Their, its animals were inside this building. They're all there. And he make a video, and the guy was like, um, like a kid crying. He couldn't understand, I believe was like the kill all my animals and you know I was really I felt bad for the guy you know because no insurance will cover the emotional cost of losing your animals or using your loved ones and everything and you know even it to make uh to, to to get back on on property okay some some people do have insurance for their cars but some insurance didn't cover fires because some people don't have a lot of money and so they pay the minimum minimum insurance, which cover only accidents. But some some people do, do, don't have insurance that cover fires, so their cars are lost forever, you know. And the insurance thing, I believe, it's it's a, it's not good to say insurance we cover things, insurance we cover that. Insurance we cover the person that have the money, the the very the the, the poor person they don't have big insurance. And once again, you're taking a hostage, the weakest person. And I believe that's not right. You can't yep. destroy other people's property because you have personal uh, personal problems or, or problems with the government. That does not work like this. We do have elections. Do you fight in, um, in these times? Work for parties, uh, political parties, do rally, do whatever you want, but do not destroy private property because it costs people money and it costs people um, more than money. It's the emotional aspect of it. We never, we, we rarely talk about the personal aspect of this, but you know, walk up in the morning and realize that your car is gone, half of your garden is gone, and there were a lot of things in your car, like your kids' stories. Like um, you know, personal things, and what what did I do? I I, I not I ain't no president. I ain't nothing. I'm just a guy that want to go to work, and the guy we call it it's insurance. The insurance we told him, sorry, sir, we don't cover fire. We we can't do anything. You gotta buy another car. You don't have the money. You go to work on foot or you on bike, and that's not great. You know, let's be honest, that's not very great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. 
Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. Brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. We've gotten a little off track ranting about protesters. I mean, rioters. Let me ask a few questions about how the law works there. From what I've got from different European cops I've talked to, when you want to stop a a car, like a traffic stop, do you need to have a reason or can you stop any car at any time? Well, I believe in the United States you need to have a reason because you know all the the body cam videos is. Uh, do you want you know why uh, you know why I put you over? Uh, what's the reason for the traffic stop? And it gets a lot of trouble sometimes. You know the, the escalated situation here. It's simple. I can stop whatever the shit I want. There's no there's no problem. There's an insurance code that told me that I can pull over cars in order to check their insurance. I can stop whatever car I want to check their insurance. I could stop uh, uh, whatever car I want to check their registration or their driving license. I have no problem with this. I can stop any car. So it's not a problem. But um, there's a thing uh, you don't do in the United States is um, ID control. I don't think you guys do that. You know, it's asking for somebody an ID without a proper reason. I don't know if you do such thing, but uh, here in France, yeah, explain that. I'm here sure. in France, we have several. Uh, we can do that unless we uh, unless we have a probable cause. Uh, but for cars, it's open bar. You can you can you can pull over cars and do whatever you want. There's no um, there's no way of uh, committing a, a traffic offense in order to get pulled over. I can pull you over whatever I want. And uh, there's no problem about the, about this. So, what about houses? Can you search a house oh. at any time, or do you need a warrant? Um, uh, I don't need a warrant. If we, I would tell you an example, like real example that I really experienced. Um, I went a couple of months ago. Was dispatching to a shooting. And I arrived there first on scene with my partner. And the, there were a lot of person on the street that told me, yeah, a guy shoot his sister there in their house. It's in their apartment, sorry. So they, they, they show us the apartment. And I, I went, I called for backup immediately because it's, you know, it's a very dangerous situation. You're looking for a shooter and you're only two. It's not a, it's not a good situation, you know. A call for backup, but you know, backup, uh, and they need to arrive. You need to work until the backup's there. And they were in their apartment, and the the bystanders told me that it's it's their this apartment. Okay, so I work uh, as a. Okay, I'm going to. We got several. Um, I'm losing my words. Sorry. No, <laughs> um, okay, I do that too. It, I'm translating uh, for a moment uh, the exact word. Oh, yes. It's called in the act. Uh, it's a um, judiciary thing that allowed us to to go into a house. You know, 
I was dispatched to a shooting. Somebody say shoot his sister and it, and it's there. So legally, I can storm the house. And I do. Uh, we do kick the door. Uh, we enter and we were facing several uh, person inside. We draw weapons and we we everybody went on the ground and we searched the house until the backup arrived. We searched the apartment and we found the sister that was shot in the leg by its brothers. And, you know, I can search a house if I have probable cause. And uh, that's called in the act. Uh, it's a, it's a judiciary thing, which allow me to, just to search house. But I need also to have probable cause. And once again, there's a rule. If you get the legal hours, it starts at 6 a.m. and it ends at uh, 10 p.m. During this time, I can search house more freely. The cause need to be uh, more, uh, don't need to be very severe. I can search house if I got the probable cause. After this period of time, so after 10 p.m., I need to have a very strong probable cause in order to search the house, like a death threats or, or something. And you need to call uh, an investigator, which have a more judiciary power over you, and it will overtake you for the for the search. So and, what about? Uh, no, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so about warrants, uh, a judge can issue a warrant, but it's not that common, you know. Some some people in France say, "Do you have a warrant?" So I say, "Wait, right, it's and we are in Texas, buddy. You're in Paris, so." Uh, <laughs> you you watch too much TV, buddy. You know it's not uh, uh you uh, you know the famous um NC NCIS, I believe the famous TV show. Yeah, uh, you know the people watch too much this. But no, we don't have warrants. Judge can issue a warrant exactly, but it's very specific. You know, some some judge would issue a warrant because the really want to search that house because they are also investigated because our judge they can investigate by their own okay they don't really need police they can investigate by their own but when they need the force we hear you know and uh, they send us warrant and they say okay you storm that house i want that 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 okay but it's pretty wrong okay uh it's called search warrant but that's i believe um the main difference between france and the united states so let's say you're working, I don't know, we'll just say like a run of the mill, I don't know, a vandalism, right? Where somebody says, hey, I watched this guy break out my car window. I know where he lives. You go to his house, you knock on the door, he doesn't answer. Could you break into the house? Well, it depends. Let's figure it out. You tell me that somebody broke your window. It needs to be, you need to tell me in the next 24 hours. If you tell me during this 24 hours period, we are what we call in the act. So I will get to the house and if you don't answer, and if I am in the legal hours, remember what I told you from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., I can break his, his door and cough him. If it's after, I can't arrest him because, you know, uh, vandalism is not a, 
It's not a danger to the society. It depends if you vandalism with explosives. It's another thing like that. If you break a window, you end very a uh, danger for society. So we, we wait until 6 p.m. And uh, we will get to your house at 6 p.m. We blow your door at 6 p.m. You know, it's there's a joke that um, friends say that I will get woke up by the cop at 6. So because, you know, like cop, we wait to like 5, uh, 5.59 and 6 and your door will blow up. But uh, it's, a, it's a joke because uh, due to this legal hours. You know, I'm I'm kind of surprised at myself and kind of disappointed in myself that I have not made a joke about Inspector Clouseau, uh, the Pink uh-huh. Panther. Ah, yeah. That's you bringing back to my childhood again. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't make any of those jokes yet. Yeah, but it's typical French stuff. <laughs> yeah, French stuff. I'm trying to find the song here. Man, I called you Pepe. I should have called you the Pink or uh, Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> Man, I fucked up. Um, so let me ask you about a search of a person. So you, we'll just say run of the mill contact with a person on the street. Do you need a, a reason to search them for weapons or contraband? Or can you? Are you allowed to search anybody you come across? Well, there are, it's it's pretty pretty different from from the traffic stops. I can't search anybody uh, without a probable reason. You know, I need to have a probable reason. But there's several uh, things that I can in uh, train station, airports, and uh, ports. I can search whatever I want, when I want, and the way I want. Because I'm near a uh, transport system. It's in the law. And sometimes the judge will give me an order and they, and they, and they will say to us, you know, you can search whatever you want in this specific region at a specific time. And sometimes a specific time, it's all the year. It's 7, 24-7 and, uh, 20, and all the year. Uh, it's in particularly in area where crimes are committed, you know. And but in general public space, if I don't have any probable cause, I can't search somebody. I can't control somebody. You know, control his ID. I need to have a probable cause. You know, if, even if somebody run a, a red light, a pet light. You know, uh, if he cross the street uh, on the on the red light, I can um, I can uh, make a contact with him and try to and uh, search him. I can because he commit an offense, which is small, but it's an offense. But if I don't have any probable cause, uh, I can do anything except if the guy is wanted and if we know he's wanted, you know. So um, if I think you guys are the same. You got worried issue. You know, we know our guys because we do work in the same town. So we know we know our clients, you know. And uh, I know that that guy is wanted. So I'm going to look for him. And I know he's wanted. So I do have all I also do have my probable cause, you know, so it's way easier. Now, what about DUIs or driving intoxicated, driving impaired? What do you, whatever you guys call it there? DUIs, we got two different types of DUIs. The driver that, um, uh, I don't know if you guys blow into the matching to get a, uh, you know, to know to know how much alcohol is in the blood. Well, 
we do, but usually what we do here is we have the field sobriety test, which I don't know mm-hmm. that other countries actually do that. And then at no. that point, you may ask him to blow into a PBT, but PBTs, the ones on the side of the road, are not admissible in court. Or at least they weren't in Colorado. And so you'd actually have to take him to the station to blow into the, the machine there. Okay. Well, we don't do that test. You know, it's pretty American thing, you know. Uh, work like this, uh, put your tent there. I don't understand. <laughs> you know, you're looking like a clown walking uh, walking with a cop. You know, but we don't do that. We're more simple. If I smell alcohol, if I, if even if I don't smell alcohol, if I want, I can make you blow into the PBT for no reason. Um, so imagine uh, you're driving your car. I went behind you. I said, that's pretty interesting. Okay. Put you over, you know, with that typical French siren, uh, the two tones, yeah, the high low, yeah. you call it. And you get, you, you pull over I say, and driving nice to insurance. And it's okay. I'm going to submit you to PBT test. So, sir, you can refuse the PBT test. It's, you can. But if you refuse the, PB, the PBT test, I need you to, I will have to take you to the police station and you will have to blow into another big machine to get a, to get a, to make sure you don't have uh, alcohol. And if you refuse to come me, you come with me, you're under arrest for refusing to, to blow on the test. That's how it works. 99% of the people do not refuse to blow on the test because they know they won't, they they will get in more trouble. They blow. Imagine you blow and you're positive. It wouldn't, it won't show me um, the exact number. It would just show me that you are positive to the alcohol. You would be under arrest for driving under the influence. I will take you to the station and you will have to blow on the most, on a more sophisticated machine that would tell me the exact uh, amount of alcohol on your blood. And after that, due to the amount, you will get a sanction from six months of suspending driving license to two years of suspending driving license. And you can get to prison and you will stay at the police for 24 to 48 hours. What about the rest of the criminal justice system? Do you think people get enough punishment? Because that's a common theme, I think, with a lot of people I've talked to on the podcast is they do all this work to get a conviction and then people are just out of jail immediately. Do people actually go to jail in France? When you ask me about the the problem in the French police, I told you that it was the media treatment. But I was wrong. The main problem, <laughs> I believe so, it is the justice system, which is a whole joke. Sometimes, you know, some people... You arrest them for DUI and they get to jail. You say, whoa, it's okay. Sometimes you arrest person for, you know, they try to kill somebody with a knife. They steal, they, they steal uh, cars. They, they they fight people. And they won't get to jail. So the justice system is not really, you, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to say I don't like them because I can't say that, but I don't understand them. And people won't, don't get enough punishments except for DUIs and other things like this. They are very severe, but because it's, uh, it's another, it's another justice system for the UI. They, are, they got a specific, the specific uh, justice system. 
And for other things, they won't go to prison. But there's a prop. There's a reason for this. There's not enough prison space in France, and uh, they don't have much space, so they don't send a lot of persons to prison. If you go to prison in France, you really fucked up, because uh, they will they will tell um, they will condemn you to home prison with um, uh, with an electronic bracelet. I believe you have this. Oh yeah, we have that too. Yeah, electronic surveillance. It is. You're monitored, and they 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 know that you're not home and everything. So, um, but they are trying to solve this problem, and they are trying to build more prison space, but it costs a lot of money, and the justice is the main problem because sometimes you know, you just work your ass. You took some risk on on the streets to arrest people. You would like these people to get out of the society, to protect the society, because it is the main mission of cops, I believe. It is to protect the society from these guys. There's a main mission, you know. We need to protect society against these guys. The thin blue line is not only a patch. It's a, it's a real thing. You are between these guys and our society. And we need to maintain law and order, and we need to protect the people. And sometimes you took you work your eyes so hard, you took risk to arrest this guy, and you know they're hundred percent good. You know, you know that. You know, but, the, but it's the justice thing. But you know that, and they arrive in court, and they are like, okay, um, you will you, you will go to probation for like two months, and it's gone. Shit, that man deserves to go to prison for ten years. He smelled. He, he sold drugs. He sold death on streets. Uh, he he, he burned. He steal cars. He he, he steal people, um, and you know you feel a little bit hopeless. And sometimes you know it's like you're working for nothing, and uh, you're like, okay, this guy arrest him like twice last month. I arrest this guy ten times, and we joke with around with officers, and we joke. Uh, Oh, I see that that guy, you know, the guy you arrest uh, last uh, last day. Uh, oh, I arrest him uh, twice last month. Oh, me third time. You know, we, we, it became a joke, but it's not that not that funny if you think about it. Okay, so you guys have the uh, the same problems that we suffer. It sounds like for sure. Yeah, if you suffered, it's probably but because you know when. We talk about the Americans in France. We say oh, the Americans don't play around. And we said, we're like, yeah, you can go to prison for 200 years, which is not possible in France because the maximum is 30 years. No. Uh, and there's another one for specific terrorist action when you can get life sentence, but it's pretty rare. But maximum is 30 years. So sometimes I see uh, that guy in Florida is condemned to. Uh, uh, 245 years, say, what the fuck? This makes no sense. Just condemn him to life sentence uh, without parole. It would be good. But we, we have this view on you that you are more uh, aggressive with when it comes to justice. I don't know. Is that the truth or we are in the wrong? Well, I suppose but... when you put it that way, we do, you know, you we there's a perception, and I I've know of, of people that have gotten locked up for a long time, but you really, really, really have to fuck up. But I mean, we're we're seeing people involved in homicides being 
you know, released after a few years. Um, it's it's kind of coming here too. I mean, we have people that base like the low level offenses. They're not going to spend any real time in jail. They're just going to continue to victimize people. If you actually really hurt somebody, you might do a couple years. You know, um, you rob somebody, might do a couple years. But you know, these long crazy sentences are, are almost always homicides in high right. high profile ones. So, I I feel like that's one of those things where it's kind of a, a misconception is like. I know of a case where a dude got 400 years, but he killed a person and tried to kill several others, you know, but these people that steal cars all the time, commit armed robberies, commit burglaries, they they don't do any real time in prison. You have to really fuck up to go to prison and our prisons are overcrowded and that, I don't know. I look at that and it's like, we have a lot of people that have really fucked up, but there could be, there should be more in there. You know, people complain like, Oh, you know, this much of the population's in prison. And I would argue more people should be in prison. Exactly. Exactly. More prison should be in prison. More per- more people should be in prison here. Um, I agree with you. We do I it's pretty it's pretty funny because uh, I just realized we do share several problems between between uh, between each other. And exactly our prisons are overcrowded as well. And they're trying to make more space, but it costs money. It's it's always a money problem, you know. And you guys do still do have the death penalty in your state? Uh it depends state to state. Uh color where I used to live, they just took it away. I right. I don't know if they have it in Iowa or not. I'm not sure. I assume you guys don't have the guillotine anymore. Uh, we used to have it. I'll tell you a story. Um uh, the last the last person um were killed in the with the death penalty in France. It was like in the seventies. No, it was ninety, nineteen eighty one. And my dad, um, went uh, arrived in the police department at these times, and he witnessed the very last uh, public uh, execution. Uh, because it was public. <laughs> yes, we're French. And it was by the guillotine, and it was a guy that killed and uh, and beheaded a woman. He was a uh, Moroccan migrant, and he was found guilty and and sent to death by guillotine. And it went down a couple of years after that, and since then, it's uh, we don't have the death penalty anymore. But you know, with the years. A lot of people said, okay, we should get it back, you know. What you going to do with a guy, you know, uh, with a terrorist? What you want to do with it? He's going to spend his whole life in prison with our money, and he will... What, what you want to do with this guy? I believe, in my personal opinion, he should go to the guillotine, but, you know, um, we can get back to, to the death penalty because... We are part of the European Union, and if you if you want to death penalty, you that you gotta leave the European Union. You know, I I think society really focuses a lot on rehabilitating criminals, which I I understand to an ex, an extent, but we don't ever ever talk about the victims and. The conversation is never about, oh, these these poor people were victimized by this guy. 
the conversation now is always, we need to fix this guy. And it's, it's like a relationship, right? If you get into a relationship thinking you can fix somebody, you're probably going to fail a lot of the time. But every <laughs> once in a while, every once in a while, you save that person. And I don't know if it's the same in France, but I feel like a lot of cops will marry people that or get in relationships with people they think they can fix. And I think that's kind of how society views some of these these suspects. And I'm not or, or when I say suspects, I mean criminals, not suspects, but criminals. They view these criminals. I'm not advocating that, you know, you commit some low level offense and we're going to hang you or anything, but. I think we need to start putting more focus on the people that are actually harmed and put the focus where it actually should be. On the give people ch- yes. Give people a chance to, to change their life. And I did dumb stuff when I was younger. I think everybody gets a certain amount of grace, but if you've got a person that continually shows that they cannot follow the rules of society, I don't want to live with them. I don't want to be amongst them. I don't think it's so much to ask to say lock this fucker up. I'm sorry. We have a, we have several um, for other years um, serial killers. In some serial, uh, a very um, a very serious serial killer. I won't say his name because uh, this guy does not deserve uh, does not deserve that uh, that we say his name. The guy killed rape like around 20 young girls from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And it really puts the death penalty question on the table with that past. If that guy, you know, if you were sent to the death penalty, if the death penalty was still being placed, you will not have to be killed because, you know, it killed so much person that every time you would have to get to the guillotine, you would say, I killed somebody. I will, ha- I will tell you where its body is. Uh, and it will um, get uh, the, the sentence away until next time. And that guy went to prison for like five or six murder and he, um, he died like two years later and he, he went down with more than 20. So there are some guys that will that will um, that will abuse this not to get killed, especially like um, um, what I want to say, especially like these guys, but they do deserve death. But if you kill him, uh, he will die with all of its secrets. And when you think about the families, they deserve to get the truth. They deserve to get where to know where their loved ones are buried in the woods or something. And I do agree that this guy deserve death hundred percent. Don't get me wrong, but when you think about the family, you say that guy. You know, we know he killed more, but he will get down with all of his secrets. I don't know if you understand me. No, I I hear what you're saying, and I. To add more to that, I don't know. I know some people look at life through this white and black lens. 
I I try to anyway. I mean, there's obviously there's things that are always going to be black and white, but a lot of stuff, if you don't stop down or you don't slow down to actually, if you don't slow down to actually examine the exact circumstances, maybe there's something in there that would change your mind, which is, I know this is a very broad statement to make, but I think a lot of times we read news articles and headlines that I think are purposely misleading. And I also think they don't put all the complete information in there and they're written in a way to make you feel a certain way. And I know I've, I've experienced this where I've seen a news article on a call I was on and it wasn't the whole picture. So somebody may read that article and get an impression of something without seeing everything else that happened. And I think it can be kind of dangerous. So on one hand, it's like, yeah, let's just fucking kill the serial killer. But uh, then the other hand, there's this other part of this that we need to stop and think about for a moment. Does that make sense? Exactly. I do agree with you. But you know, death penalty is a, is a vast question. And um, I don't, I don't know. You can talk about in front of us, but it won't change anything because we can't get it back into it. Because we it, we need to leave the union and it's not possible at this time. And the French used to be against it for a very long time, but they make polls and the recent polls that French are for at a sixty percent. It's enormous amount of people that are for because they, you know, death penalty is not only apparently for the for for the guy. It's for the society, you know, society wants its revenge and say that this, um, the guy was sentenced to death penalty. It, the, the society appreciated, you know, they appreciate that they would take, uh, that the justice system would take out guys that deserve to be taken out. And I believe that's, that's nice for society, but it's a vast question, you know. Well, you know what I think should happen to pedophiles, right? Exactly. I believe we share the same thing, even we don't, even if we never speak about it. Yeah, they need to go away. Yeah, they need to go away. Exactly. That makes me think about it. I was talking about this with my wife a couple of minutes ago before before this uh, the interview, and uh, I was looking about the video uh, about the Colorado Pet Patrol. And I don't know if you know them. I believe you know them. You live there. Wait, the Colorado what? Pet Patrol. I no, I've never heard about the Colorado you Pet Patrol. Them. No. no. You, should, you should work for them. Uh, they're a group of people that um, are online and they do uh, pretend that they're young girls, young boys, but they're adults, you know, and they are uh, talking with uh, pedophiles. They arrange meetup. And they do screen all the conversation. They do make a very strong uh, thing. And they meet up the guy and they confront the guy. And sometimes they do call law and the guy went to prison and to jail. That's completely not possible in France because it's judiciary not possible. But um, I think it's uh, it's very great that what these people are doing. But I'm very surprised that you you don't know them. Well, here's the problem. If I ran across a pedophile, this would happen. 
and uh, and you were and you would be right. <laughs> so let's uh let's talk a little bit about guns because I know that that is a question people are going to have. Yeah. People, what are do. what are the what are the laws in France regarding firearms? So I would ask you the question: What do you think guns law are in France? And I will tell you after. I just got to assume a private citizen is not allowed to have a gun in France. Okay. So you believe there's no gun in France? Nothing. I mean, maybe for like hunters and maybe marksmen, but besides that, no. You know that French were allowed to open carry until 1944. And it used to be like in, uh, in all laws. When... And during World War II, we were invaded by the Germans. They, um, they made a lot of it was now illegal because um, if the society is not armed, it's way easier to it's way easier to control it. I believe if you, I think you know what I mean. Yep, I hear so, you. So in 1944, they 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 just delete the the way that we could, they could carry. But let me tell you. You can own a gun in France, but there are laws that you need to respect. You need to be in part of a shooting range. You need to have your license in a shooting range. So there's um, like two or three months that you are you can go to the shooting range, but they will borrow you the gun. You cannot buy them. And after the two or three months, you go to a doctor, which uh, told you that you are mentally and physically good to get again and then you have a test uh it's a national test every shooter got the same test it's a two-hour test you got questions about gun safety and laws about or you can um, transport your gun and everything and then you can go to a gun shop and buy a gun guns in France are uh classified in three different a, B, C. A, it's for automatic weapons, which are not allowed for civilian. Uh, for war weapons, some calibers are not available for civilian. Like, um, I would tell you after the, the caliber, I don't have any in my head. And explosives are not allowed for civilian. They are classified as A. Uh, rockets, not allowed. And... Um, Night vision are not allowed as well, except for hunters, but they need to be uh, in a specific way, but it's pretty work. Okay. And uh, I think it's done. B stands for handgun, shotgun, uh, not automatic. Semi-auto, it's B. So 12 guard, um, 556, uh, uh, whatever you want, uh, uh, AK AK forty seven type of gun. Uh, this they are, if they are not automatic, they are in B. So you can buy them as a personal shooter or a hunter. There's a C. C. Uh, B are. Um, let's get back to the B. Uh, quickly, you get revolvers, hanger, and and everything. Okay, nine millimeters, forty five ACP, whatever you want. C is for the batons, and you don't need a license or anything. You need to be just like 18 and have an ID. You can buy batons, uh, knife, um, pepper spray, uh, 
whatever the non the non little uh, non little thing stands in phi in c and we have another one it's d it's like uh, historic gun you know uh, black powder guns are in d you just need an id and everything so it's you can buy again and getting and having into your horse and using as home defense it's completely legal we have a, a home defense law as well but you can't carry it's forbidden you cannot carry a weapon you cannot carry a um, a, a knife unless you're a hunter or a small knife you got no problem but you can carry like um tear gas it's possible you, you can carry small bottle of tear gas especially for women's you know for self-defense taser is uh is uh is even legal in some voltage i believe so you can carry a taser small taser not the not the professional ones the professional ones are in a for only following for some miniature and uh, you can so you can buy but you can't um you can't have it with you you can't uh, carry so are you surprised or not I am surprised because a lot of the other European cops that I talked to, there wasn't, there's not this idea of home defense at all. So I am a little surprised that you guys are allowed to do that. I, I would have been shocked if you guys were allowed to open carry or carry in the public or anything like that. Open carry is legal for police officers and even off duty. I do have my weapon. And it's there. Yeah, it's uh, it's right there. It's a six hour SP twenty twenty two nine millimeter, and I do have two magazine of fifteen rounds with uh, gold dots, um, gold dot uh, nine millimeter, and I can carry all off duty. I still have my guns uh, off duty uh, um, on sale carry, and uh, I do have it. All uh, national officers and all military officers are allowed to open uh, carry um not open carry but um uh, to carry their weapons off duty uh concealed carry obviously we do in law enforcement for the national officers and the military officers share the same weapon is the sixer sp 2022 nine millimeter uh, nine mm is the standard caliber for law enforcement in france no other caliber are allowed except for rifles but for handgun it's nine millimeter. There's no way you you, you will see officer with uh, 45 ACP or anything. Some local officers, like I told you before, they are not all armed. It's the mayor that decides. But if the mayor decides to harm them, you can buy whatever gun he wants, Glock, uh, Sig, whatever. But it needs to be nine millimeter. Or they can also have revolvers like old school. They also have revolvers in 38, um, in 38. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. Oh, hey there, it's me. I just want to let you guys know about something. On my link tree, I have links to all your favorite poorly made things. I'm going to have a link specifically to the coins and patches with Ghost Patch, my merch with Spring, and a couple other things. We're going to have Fit Responder on there. We're going to have officer privacy on there. And of course, we're going to have RTI training. If you're going to go sign up for class through RTI training, use the link in my link tree 
and it helps me out a little bit and they know that I sent you. Check out my link tree for all things poorly made. I'll be updating it as new things come up. Going forward, the link should be on the description of every podcast. And of course, uh, find it on my profile on Facebook and Instagram under Poorly Made Police Memes. Now, back to the podcast. So we teased this a little bit in the beginning of the podcast. I feel, you know, obviously there's there's been a, a very large terroristic event in the United States, but besides the one, it's not really something we deal with. France, I, I've heard, you know, I see in the news every so often, you know, dealing with terror attacks. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yeah, I can talk about this. The, um, the biggest one we faced it was in 2015, uh, November 13, um, the Paris attack. Um, uh, I was a Paris uh, this time. I was a probationary officer, just get, get out of the, the um, police academy. And it was a rough night. Um, you know, it was like we were in war, you know. Um, it's it's not that easy to talk about it, but I will talk about it. But it was like a war. We were in war, um, you know, um, the, the evening. Uh, starts pretty normally. We were patrolling and we got several calls. Okay, shooting uh, happened. So all, the shooting is not off. It's pretty weird in France, but we we do have some, but it's not every day, you know. So when you're shooting, uh, it's pretty, you got, you, you stop your car and you get out of the car, you get your um, uh, heavy ballistic vest, you prepare yourself. You, you, do, you don't, run into the into the darkness without getting ready so we stop car we get ready and we got another shooting another one and another one another five six seven shooting at the time and we didn't know where to go and was dispatched to a shooting and a bombing on a cafe and um, that was a pretty horrific situation there where they were they were dead people on the ground you're pretty you know you, you you're just here and i remember getting out of the car and stop for a moment but that was one of the longest moments in my life you know but it happened like in one second but you know that moment when times then uh, pass differently you know and i was like what the hell is going on is it war i don't know and okay let's get back let's get more pro so we do a lot of search but the guy obviously they, they get out and I spend the rest of the night uh, counting death and um, trying to identify these poor person that were in the cafe they were enjoying their life they were they were like my age and um, and I spend the rest of the night um, in that trying to identify them because you know not you need to carry an ID in France. It's monetary, but, you know, sometimes people don't. And, you know, sometimes they, especially women, they do carry the ID in their bags. And when they're in a cafe, they put their bags under the table and, you know, they enjoy their life. And you're not supposed to get shot in the back, in the back of the head or or something. And when you see, when you heard shot, you, you they, they were just running. So they didn't have their ID on them. So we need to 
to identify themselves that was pretty hard because sometimes you, you need to to say, you know, bystanders, hey, you know her? Uh, yeah, that's my girlfriend. C could you come here? Uh, she, she's laying on the ground with uh, the bullet on her school. And I say, okay, I need her name, date of birth, where she lives. Okay, uh, here's the death, death certificate. It's pretty brutal, you know. And it was a really walk-up situation in France. We were not equipped to face such kind of situations. We were not equipped mentally. I was not ready. Nobody's ready. But I was not ready to face that. I was pretty young. I was, I'm still young now. I'm not a whole person, but I was younger. And I grew up due to law enforcement. And I grew up due to these uh these events that was pretty hard ones and i still remember that it was in 2015 and i am what uh, we, we can call a black cat you know you know why i'm saying a black cat in police or a department or i don't know if you use that term in the u.s i'm not sure uh, a black cat is a officer that always gets into shitty situations mm, we call that a shit magnet here yeah man i'm that type of guy you know, well, uh, I'm that type of guy. In 2018, uh, I was in a traffic division in Paris. And I was downtown Paris. I was uh, uh, near the Cathedral Notre Dame. Uh, I, know, I don't know if you know that. The Cathedral that, that burned. Um, I was there. I was on a traffic stop. And I heard a shooting. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, the, there's the Cathedral Notre Dame. And right in front of it is the is the Paris uh, National Police Headquarters. It's a pretty, um, it's its whole home, you know, it's the headquarters. It's uh, it's pretty beautiful if you're ever going to Paris, just past this building, it's really beautiful. And uh, I was on a traffic stop and I heard a shot. And then I, I heard some people screaming inside the headquarters. So I just put an end to the traffic stop and uh, we we run with uh, with my partner right into the right into the the, the headquarters and an officer that was guarding the building because the building do have its own officer that was guarding uh, showed a uh, showed a guy that was inside the station and he was stabbing he, he stabbed four officers uh, four investigators and. He shot him in the head with a HK, um, uh, it's a 556 round headshot. So the guy was laying down on, on the, inside the building. It's um, The building is like, uh, to describe it, uh, it's like uh, you enter the building and there's a, uh, I don't know, to, to give it to you, but it's a parking lot, you know. It's... Uh, the guy was laying on a parking lot and uh, all the other officers told us that there was a knife man that was down and uh, he, he stabbed four other officers with a um, with a long knife. Um, so we went into uh, help to the uh, we went help to the officers and they were heavily um, heavily breathing bleeding sorry and uh, it was pretty severe and i remember them screaming to death because it was, they were pretty severe they were 
losing a lot of blood. Um, I do not participate into the, um, the rescue of these officers because uh, I felt that we need to search the entire headquarters for over person, over shooters, you know. We search the place, we evacuate the place in order to make sure that nobody is there. So what I remember is they're laying on the ground um, um, on a staircase and on a staircase and on the ground and we searched the, the entire the entire headquarter for like it's pretty long you know when you do a good search it's pretty long you know you want to make sure that there's nobody so it took us like 30 minutes because it's a pretty big building and so okay we're clear and we we you, we leave the headquarters, went back to the parking lot where the guy was killed. And there were a lot of officers dispatched them with um, a lot of firefighters and um, medical staff, advanced support, even the choppers there went there. And there were already two officers declared dead on scene. And they were traveling two more of them. And uh, minutes passed and they were also declared dead. And I just realized that we've been attacked from the inside. The guy that was shot was a, an informatician, uh, um, IT guy, is um, the word I think. He was the computer guy. He was not a police officer, but he, he used to work with police uh, because he has skills in, in computers. And he radicalized himself with a slam and the guy went crazy. He buffed knife, getting to the station. He killed four other officers. They were uh, dispatched. These officers were counterintelligence officers. So just realized that we, we've been attacked from the inside. It's a pretty shock for all the police. And, you know, how could you react when... Uh, when you're attacked from the inside. You know, you're not safe anymore, even if you own a quarters. So it was a pretty dramatic times. And that was the last, and I hope that's the last terror attack I'm involved in. So that, that's, that's the story. Damn, man, that was, that was hard to listen to. Yeah, that, that was, it's pretty hard to talk, to, to, to talk about it. Um, but you know, Talking is healing, like we said. And we used to, I was not into psychologist thing and everything and health problem, uh, not health, mental problem before. I, I was like, I was just, I don't care. But that really touched me. Uh, that really touched me. And we went into psychological, uh, with psychological um, psychologists and they helped us to get through it. And it helped me a lot, you know, there, they hurt me a lot because I, I was like, damn, could have been me, you know, I was in a traffic stop. I was right in front of the headquarters. You know, when you're in front of your headquarters, you're not, you, you should, you, you pay attention to what's, what's surrounding you, but you feel safer than um, performing a traffic stop uh, in the middle of a highway or in the middle of the streets, you know, you, you know, it's your, it's your headquarters. There are officers that are, that are behind you, you know, um, and 
being attacked from the inside was really shocked for all the officers in, in France, especially in Paris. And they took several actions. And that's where the intelligence uh, is really, really useful. The, the intelligence officer did make special groups to to try to detect the guy that went uh, that worked with PD. They were way more serious. They they fired a lot of the guys. They, they now today they won't take any risk with somebody. If you want to work with PD, you know, for like a like a computer guy or something. They do a complete background check. Very, very serious now. Way more serious than it was to do before. That's all we learned from our mistakes. The source of the terrorism in France, is it is it like anti-government folks or is it, I would say, Muslim-type extremist people? No. Uh, the source of terrorism is Islamic due to um, the history of France and the history of the world. Um, the first Islamic actions, if I do remember, were linked to um, the war between France and Algeria because Algeria used to be a part of France due to colonization and they, they fight for their freedom and everything. It was a pretty horrific war from both sides, and there used there were uh, ter terrorist actions in in, uh, in Paris. They bombed Paris, and they, it was the very first terrorist act, Islamic terrorist act in France. After that, we got a nineteen ninety five bombing, which was uh, bombed by Algerians rebel right a long time before after their they got their independence and they blow up trains with uh, explosive in 1995 make a lot of death and we didn't had we didn't had islamic terrorist attack since 1995 and it happens after in 2015 uh, 99% of terrorist actions are performed by uh, islamic terrorists so that's why we talk when we talk about terrorism. It's always Islamic for us. I think there's one percent like um, extreme um, far right or far left, but it's not really considered as terrorists because far right will not kill people. They will more bomb cars in order to make uh, in order to make uh, destroy things. But their main goal is not to kill people like the, the Islamic terrorists. All right, I don't I don't want to ask something that could potentially get you in trouble, but again, me not being worldly, I see memes on the internet occasionally and I I don't want to get all my news from memes, but I do see some memes regarding France and an influx of people from Islamic areas of the world. Yeah. Is there exactly. a lot of I guess what's the relationship with the people coming into France? Are the are the French people kind of there with open arms, or is there a lot of animosity between? I mean, really, two different groups of people. It's really hard to uh, to answer that. Um, we the French used to welcome them with open arms, 
that it ended up when we realized that this guy went here not only to perfect the system, but they, they bring terrorists as well. In 2015, the terrorists that most of the terrorists that performed the attacks on Paris, they arrived like migrants. And it was a shock. And a vast majority of French want to stop this, but all governments are not able and not capable of this. And it's a very, very serious topic in France. I do work in Northern Serbia, Paris. What I can tell you is some, most of the day, the only white guys you will see on the streets are the police officers patrolling. Nobody speaks French anymore. They do speak Arabic. Uh, most of them are from Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, from uh, what we call the Maghreb is Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia. They do really take us on these parts of France, especially in Northern. And with migrants and illegals comes the violence and they do, as they can't work because they're not papers, they do sell drugs, they do steal cars. It's a very vast problem, you know. And some of the migrants came here with terrorist leaves and that's how we get all of these attacks from the last years. But our policy is trying to change. The people are sick and tired of it. And um, I believe the next president will be a woman in France, I believe so. She's very popular. She's very right. She's or She's like Donald Trump, but She's a lady, you know. She, it's all Donald Trump for us, you know. It's uh, she's very against immigration. She's not against foreign people. She's against immigration, and she wants to control it very strictly because uh, she believes that if you don't control immigration, you don't you don't protect your own, you know. And we need we need protection against that because if if we continue like this, like in fifteen years. Some part of France will be will be anti of French. It, it's still ha it's happening now. Uh, I can tell you that some days I don't I don't even speak French with the, the with the people I interact with, except officers as well. But you know I I I'm, I, I need to speak a little bit of Arabic, and obviously I communicate in English, especially with Pakita Pakistani and Afghans that they most of them speak English. It's interesting to me that the folks from Pakistan and Afghanistan speak English. Is that, I assume that's just from the influence of America in that region for the last 20 years. Exactly. Exactly. And as you know, Afghanistan went back through the hands of of, uh, uh, of God's fortress. Um, we could not send Afghanis back to their own country because it's considered as a war zone. So this guy came here and they know that they will never get deported back. It's a total nonsense. Imagine me arriving in the United States and, I, and I'm like, okay, I'm in the United States. I can do whatever I want. I won't get deported. You know? Uh, that's how it feels a lot of days, bud. <laughs> 
I mean, people do get deported here, but it it certainly doesn't feel like it. Yeah, because yeah, you have problem with Mexicans, I believe. So it's it's the main problem. Hey, hey, I don't have a problem with Mexicans. No, not too personally. (laughs) That sounded bad. No, 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 no. No, I I had to crack a joke there, but I, you know, it's I, I. This actually came up with the guy with Sweden, but. You know, me personally, I, I'm kind of a believer. You know, my, my family is uh, of Irish heritage and Italian heritage. And we left a bad situation. I'm not against people leaving a bad situation to have a better life because my family certainly did. And I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I wasn't. I think the only thing I ask and I think the only thing a lot of other people ask is just follow the laws of whatever country you're going to. That's, it's coming that's, I, yeah you know and that's that's kind of the problem is people come to places and it's not just the u.s and they don't assimilate and they take advantage of the system and it's a problem and you know if, here like if you say that you you know you're well you're racist and it's like no there's plenty of hispanic people that have come here even illegally by the way that assimilate here they work they get jobs whatever i I'm not saying like all Hispanic people are like that and all migrants are like that. But unfortunately, there's always a part of the population that does. And that's it sticks out like a sore thumb. Exactly. It's it's common sense. You know, when you're arriving in a country, the first thing you need to do is learn the language. You need to learn, you need to learn language because if you don't speak the local language, or would you or would you find a work or a job or would you? interact with people but you know the problem here that they arrived and they stay in groups so they just arrived in they just arrived in um in france they don't even speak french they don't need it because they stay with their pakistani friends or afghani friends they stay together they don't work they don't want to and they just they just don't care about france they're here only for money because they can make easy money of out of crime and out of um, out of uh, social social money that I can get, but the, the first thing you know, it, the first thing you need to do is learn the language in order to adapt yourself. You know, like I said, I don't speak Russian, but let's get let's get it to an example. Uh, I moved to Russia. I will do my best in order to learn the Russians, and so I could work. I could. I interact with Russia and I will work my ass to, you know, I don't want to look like a foreigner. I want to look like a Russian, you know, in Rome's do like the Romans. Uh, that's what we said. And if you don't, if you don't learn the language, you won't get any word. So real quick, we're going to lighten the mood with uh, the questions from Instagram, probably. And I have my dumb questions that I ask everybody at the end. But really what I've I've got from this is, you know, I have this perception of France and it's filled with baguettes and um, people with accordions. And it's the, you know, Paris is the city of love. But it's actually it. I get the, the sense and you tell me if I'm wrong. It's there's a lot of um, what's the best way to put this there. See, I can't even speak English, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right word here, but 
I guess I'll just go with a simpler word. There's, it's not a peaceful place. There's a lot of conflict. That's not that peaceful, but you know, no place is really 100% peaceful. Paris, if you go to Paris Center, very touristic place, it's peaceful. It's, um, except for thieves or something like this, but it happens a lot in big cities in Europe. But you won't get in trouble, you won't get stabbed. Just like in, in London. It's it's peaceful, you know, <clears throat> but it's it's pretty expensive place to live. I can't afford it. So most of the people they do live in suburbs where it's pretty different. Where I live, it's pretty calm inside. And so for now, because they're 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 words, but my street is pretty calm. You know, it's 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 a nice street. You meet Parisians. Uh, you can you can make the baguette person, you know. The, yeah, I, I can I can watch over my window and see somebody watch with a baguette. I I can give I can give you a hundred bucks if I don't spot any baguettes in the mirror. Hurry, <laughs> is the baguette? Hurry, so I, I just live nearby Boulangerie, you know, bakery. And um, there are places like this, but there are places that does not look like my what my country used to look like before. And you know what what's was the point uh, we can make the the point with immigration that changed the population and the rise of crime and everything. But if you go to France for ninety percent of Paris, it's pretty peaceful. There are a lot of officers uh, patrolling the streets inside Paris and everything. Outside Paris, it's another problem. We're not that much officers and we have much more crimes. But it depends on very on the cities, and crimes are very located into specific areas where thugs live. Okay, more, for most of them, they they are not coming into very rich areas to commit crimes or very uh, touristic area to commit crimes. It's pretty rare. All right, one more question before the the Instagram stuff, just out of my own curiosity. You guys are a lot closer to the war in uh, Russia, in Ukraine. Yes, that's, it, yeah, exactly. What's what's the feeling like? There's is, is there is there kind of like this, I don't know, this doom or gloom feeling going on that this could spread throughout the continent, or do people kind of feel like that's going to be isolated over there, and you guys will probably be all right? You know, the war is only five hour driving from my home. Oh wow! I drive for five hours. I would get to I would get to Poland, which is located next to the, the Ukraine. It's pretty. It's not that far away. It's all in our home continent. So it it's uh, it warns us. Uh, it's uh, it reminds us that war is still possible in Europe. Thankfully, uh, the Germans don't have an army. <laughs> And they're they're not allowed to get an army due to due to stuff we have with them. <laughs> but no, it's what it was good. But yeah, war it's pretty pretty it's pretty close to us. But you know what's uh what warns me the most will be the after. What's gonna happen to these thousands and millions of weapons that are secret that are in Ukraine? What's going to happen to these weapons? Because people will take them and sell them and we will get these weapons back on the streets. 
Today, uh, the Ferks, they do have weapons in France, let's be honest. It's not a, they don't fight with baguettes, they fight with um, Kalashnikovs that, uh, that, was, that were there due to the Cold War and they're wonderful machines because they still work very, very nice and they still make a lot of death um, every day in France. These these guns are from, uh, like I told you, the Cold War and the war in Serbia. But what's going to happen to these modern weapons that are distributed to Russian and Ukrainian troops? Because the war will end someday. Uh, from one way to another. I do hope it will not be nuclear because uh, we will get a lot of shitty stuff coming from here, but let's not have this. Let's not hope this, but these their weapon, these weapons will come and they will be back on the black market. And I'm pretty concerned about this, you know, uh, because now we're facing Kalashnikovs, but later on we, we're going to face, I don't know, way more modernized weapon with with um, way more more with more powerful uh, ammo. That's what's worried me. Uh, we do have to talk about war. We do have Ukrainian Ukrainian families in France, and it's not like African uh, migrants. They came here. They are really thankful. For most of them, they are really thankful. A lot of them already speak French because they adapt themselves. Uh, most of them are asking to work because they don't want to get bored. They don't want to. They don't want to to play the system. It's um, it's it's not like the, it's not all brothers because they are Slavic and we're not. But it's like our cousins, and we are Europeans, and we help them because they the new help and it's, and they are for them for real. They're um, their country is in war and they they expect better. But you know they don't want to stay. They don't want to stay. They want to get back to Ukraine, and. That's what makes the difference between the Pakistanis and Afghanistan and Afghanis. The, the Ukrainians don't want to stay. They want to stay here temporarily until war, but they will get back to their country and they will help their country after the war. For 90% of the Ukrainian families are uh, children and wives, not men. They're not a lot of Ukrainian men. If they're here, it's all men. So that's what I can tell you about this Russian-Ukrainian war. All right, you ready to lighten the mood? Uh, I was ready. All right. Well, this isn't really a light question, I lied. But are there more knife-related crimes or gun-related crimes, in your opinion? Guns. Guns. Um, you need to stop thinking about France. We don't have guns and everything. There are a lot of guns and way more illegal guns. And where I do work, the more guns problems, they shoot at each other's for drug dealing, for, for absolutely anything. I've seen a lot of young guy getting killed for nothing. Um, there are cars, uh, they, they do shooting cars, you know, um, so there are more gun problem than knife problem in France. The next uh person to write in from Instagram. Do you have a baguette holster 
on your belt? Um, obviously, all French police officers are managed to carry a baguette holster. And if you don't, you can get in trouble. Uh, we do have our own baguette holster, and we do have special cars that carry baguettes instead. Uh, in the, <laughs> we need a special vehicle we need for backup baguette, and they come in cuff free uh, with the hilo siren that say baguette, baguette. <laughs> um, what? All right, so somebody wrote in, and I've never heard of this. Maybe you can enlighten us. I heard. Police over there have mini flamethrowers. Is that true? Mini flamethrowers. Yeah, you have flamethrowers. I, I wish I had. Oh, like, all right, no, no flamethrowers. No, like that no, sounds no, pretty no. awesome. No, during World War II, maybe, but it was pretty long time ago. Never heard about this. I, I'm gonna make my own research, but now we don't know. We don't have it. Oh man. No, but how? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, this just a quick thing. Uh, you know. Uh, tear gas is pretty flammable. Yes. And combined with the use of taser is not a good thing. And I remember a video that was year, years ago. It was downtown Paris and officers, they were trying to arrest a guy who was high on something, you know, that type of guy that you could hit with bottom and it would not, it would not care because it's, you know, high on drive. And they were trying to arrest that guy, and uh, we do love tear gas in France. I hate it because you took more tear gas than the guy took it, and I don't like it. But it, it's so at officer's discretion. And the video shows an officer, a French officer, tear gas the guy, and at the very same time, uh, another officer shot the taser, and the tear gas catch fire, and the guy went like a torch. And mm. they had to to use a um, an extinguisher to 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 cool down the guy. So maybe he was talking about this, but no, we don't have friend throwers. I wish I could. All right, so maybe that was it. So the next questions go back a little bit towards the protest, and I, I forgot to ask this, and I'm going to ask now. So obviously, in uh, 2020, we had the George Floyd riots. Did you guys have that? I, I've talked to cops all over the globe and they had protests about George Floyd. Did you guys have protests about George Floyd? Yes, we do have. I never understood why because it was like, uh, uh, we're in France. Uh, we do baguette stuff. We don't do <laughs> you know? so we do. We have our own baguette problem. So. Did, you, did you just say baguette stuff? Baguette stuff, yes. <laughs> That's a, uh, I feel like that could be like a sex term, you know, like we have butt stuff and yeah, you guys have pretty, baguette stuff. Yeah, pretty yeah. sexy. Oh boy. But, yeah. I was like, you know, with my French accent, I was like, what the fuck? We do have our own problem. Why you bring American problem here? And I uh, never understood. They make a protest uh, back in the Paris courthouse, which is a very tall building, very, very, very beautiful building, very tall. I said tall because you guys are, fucking tall buildings everywhere and we don't <laughs> and it's a pretty tall one and uh, they were they, they make a protest uh, at that building and that building uh, is passing an highway I was working at the highway division and um, so 
there was a protest in the in the in the in front of the corridors. A lot of persons were there, and it went turned badly immediately. And um, I was dispatched to close the highway to close, you know, the exit through uh, to the to the corridor, so the cars won't get there to protect what the protesters and not to get you know people run over and people people who can panic and get into a crowd like. We we've seen five hundred videos of, of stuff like that. so. I, I closed um, I closed the, the the exit with my with my car. We got special. We ha- uh, when I was in a highway division, I had we had special cars with uh, light heroes. I don't know if you what I if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Visible. I think yeah, I think I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, to be more visible. So I closed the thing. And it was like with my 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 partner. She was a she was a nice partner and a big shout out to her. And uh, she were she was rhyming, and uh, I was on the passenger side, and we were talking about you know day and night and everything you know typical stuff like officer are aboard they talk they talk a lot, and we know we were there were protests like a couple of hundred meters of back there, but. People were not supposed to walk on a highway, and we were just talking. And I was like, I, w- I watch uh, through the road. I see what the hell, and there were like two thousand person, and they storm our vehicle, and uh, they throw us um, rocks, and wood, wooden, wooden thing. Um, they they break, they broke our window. Uh, the the the, red, the the emergency ramp uh, went away, uh, the siren that went away. They destroy our cars, and we we had to leave the scene because we were we were in danger. You know, not going out uh, facing uh, two hundred protesters by my own. I ain't no Superman, and I want to go home. <laughs> and so we had to leave the the situation. And so they 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 attack police due to the George Floyd protest. Uh, I was in the Paris Highway uh, Patrol Division. I had nothing to do with uh, what George Floyd uh, had uh, experienced. So yes, we we had our George Floyd protest, but only one. The uh, person that wrote in the question wanted to know your thoughts on how we handle the protests and if you feel that the French handle protests better. And I don't know what your your knowledge is of the you know the protests and stuff we had. Crowd control is an art where the French masters. Let's be honest. We face a lot of protests. We know how to handle them. And I think the United States has a lot to learn from this, and they should learn from not only from France but from the European way of handling crowds. And um, because there are more protests in Europe, especially in France, than there is in the United States, it's pretty cultural difference. Um, you, I think you you could learn a lot from 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 French uh, in handling crowds. Uh, we're specialists, and um, even if you see sometimes pictures of big protests in you know in Paris, uh, where where um, there was there were there was a lot of uh, public description and everything. They are very effective. We got officers on bikes 
and I, I don't know if you ever see them. I could I could have seen you videos after. We got officers on bikes. There are two on bikes. They're pretty aggressive. They they arrive like in 20, 20 bikes. They arrive then they can break down a riot uh, really quickly. We got heavy riots uh, police uh, with uh, big shield and everything. We got water canons. I don't know if you got you guys have water canons in the United States, but we have um, police water canons, uh, and we do use drones to overlook the crowd. We do use public uh, CCTVs, uh, and um, we used to use choppers, but now we have drones. It's cheaper and it's way more effective than the chopper, and. Um, uh, we do use these techniques in order to maintain peace and letting the people uh, protest because it's a constitutional right, cannot touch it. And if the protest is declared, you can't touch it. Unless it's getting dangerous, but it's another thing. And you guys, you're not, you, you don't face these type of protests very often, let's be honest. You have your own problem, we do have our own. And uh, I don't think that um, some agencies are really made for this you know they send highway patrol i don't know i've seen protests where highway patrol officers are dispatched there i don't know why maybe i'm wrong i don't know why i believe because they are state officers but you know uh, i don't know why they send highway patrol officers and and you know uh, i don't know if you guys use drones if you guys have um uh, mobile headquarter, you know, the headquarter during protest in France is following the protest. It's always that is very close to the protest. So, you know, it's it, it, the guys in the HQ know what's going on, even if they are they don't have drones and everything. I don't know what, what you have to say about this. Well, I, I think some agencies, the bigger agencies do have that type of stuff. I just thought, you know, here, it got to the point where if we did anything, it just caused more issues. And the media reported, you know, the cops are beating up the protesters and stuff when, yeah. you know, it, it's, you know, it's like the little boy that cried wolf kind of thing. Yes. It's uh, crowd control is very, very tough job. You know, yeah. whatever you do can have tremendous proportion. You know, you cannot take the risk of having an officer killed. Uh, during a protest and you cannot take the risk of having protests to kill as well because you turn the protest very badly and um, it's a pretty tough work and we do have specialists that work this and the French way in the European Union is really more aggressive than instead of the German way the German they let you do whatever you want and after when you come, uh, the process is done. Okay. In Paris, uh, we call them graduation. When uh, it's getting more and more serious, we use more and more force, and we will try to maintain the force by almost any way, you know. And it never happens, but it's it's in our books that if we had, we can shoot at the people to maintain uh, the public order. It never happened, never ever in the French history, in modern French history. But it's written on our books, you know, but it's a pretty hard decision because if you do that, um, you know, the country is going to get, it's not going to get well. The next question I had, because there's a perception that in France, you guys just smoke 
nonstop. How many packs of cigarettes do you go through a shift? <laughs> uh, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Never. What kind of Frenchman, Frenchman are you? Nah, I ain't the real French, you know. And you want to, you know, I would tell you something and you won't believe me. I've never had a drink in my life. What? No, why? Never. Nothing. Never, never touched one. You know, I'm, I ain't a real French, you know. I never touched one, never drink any kind of alcohol in my life, never touched a cigarette. But I can answer that, that French are heavily smoked. Yeah, that's true. And I know some officers that are smoke a pack of cigarettes per shift. Pack is like 15 cigarettes. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's too much, you know. They put their, their, their life in danger. And, um, and uh, yeah, they are heavily smokers, but I never touched a cigarette in my life. Sorry to disappoint you. All right. Well, hey, so somebody just uh, sent in, and we you talked about it a little bit with the. Uh, uh, you guys had the the incident where the kid got shot by the cops, and I, yeah. I think I just read that that officer is getting charged, right? Oh, and I don't see it. Maybe it's dropped down now um, because uh, I don't. I don't see that. Um, is is in uh, custody? Actually, I don't have uh, any inform more information. I told you the information I do have is in custody now. And uh, wait, um, I'm looking for it. No, there's nothing. But you know when you shoot, and uh, there, can you imagine? Um, I shoot somebody who is trying to run over me. And I killed a guy, or not? But uh, let's say I killed a guy. So they were to have two uh, things uh, where they were do. Internal affairs will immediately get in, and they will investigate my shoot. That's their job. And our officer would investigate um, the attempt murder on law enforcement officer by the guy I shoot. And. The internal affairs have powers to put me on custody and to interview me uh, during uh, they they have they have forty eight hours to make the the whole truth so I can get in custody for forty eight hours after that uh forty eight hours enough time to to see if you're right or wrong no after that they they let the decision to a judge that and the judge um decide to charge you or not depends on what the internet affairs uh, told them they will see your body cam footage they will see CCTV footage and they will uh, see uh, your report that you will write and everything you say over the radio will be will be um, will be heard and everything and if I was in in right I won't be charged. And that's the end of the case. Uh, I could get back to work. If they decide that I am wrong, I would get suspended and I would get charged. Well, and I just, I watched the video, you know, and I'm sure it wasn't the whole thing, but I, let me just add a recommendation to people. Perhaps someone's pointing a gun at you and they're, and the guy is leaning on top of the car, the cop is. Perhaps don't drive forward. Yeah. You know, when the cop um, draw a weapon at you and look you in the eyes and tell you if you if you drive, I'm going to shoot you. 
it's not a great idea to drive it by, you know. Uh, it's called Darwin. Uh, the guy got the Darwin Award, and he paid the price for it. And, uh, but if you watch the video, you see the officer is, uh, is asking the guy to stop because he went into a chase. And the chase happened like in the... It, it, uh, they had a 20 minutes chase, you know. Wait a second. The... That's not in the news. No, that's of not. Of course because... that's not reported. Of What's really reported is he was a delivery driver. No, a teenage not... delivery driver just minding not... his own business, delivering baguettes. Not yeah. that there was a 20 minute chase. Of course. Of course he was delivering baguettes. No, the worst story it is, I would tell you. He was driving a car at 17. It's forbidden here. You need to be 18 and get your driving license. Obviously, he's 17 with no driving license, so no driving license, no insurance. And the car was stolen. So It was a it rental was... car, according to the news. Oh, yes, right. a rental car. Yeah, you know, it was a rental, but it didn't uh, tell the guy that he went the car. It's okay, you know what I mean? So the car was stolen. And he was driving um, very fast around the city. So motor cop get after him. They got took off. And they got a chase for like 20 minutes. High-speed chase around the city. It's not like the United States. Our cities are really overcrowded, you know. And it's it's very dangerous. You, you can't pit vehicle. It's very dangerous. So 20 minutes chase, the guy... Was stuck in traffic. Officer get off their bikes, pull guns, and ask him to stop. The guy took off and get shot in the chest and died on scene. And what they didn't tell you about that case is that specific guy was arrested last month for the exact same thing, and the judge have decided to let him free go. Weird. Weird. Weird, but that's the justice problem. If that if if the judge have sent this person into prison, he would have preserved the peace of the society and the life of this guy. But he make the wrong choice and he have to face non consequences. All right. Well, let's lighten the mood again. And I apologize to everybody. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to everybody's questions. So, obviously, a joke here in America is joking over your language specifically over a certain word, which I'm going to play a little video about. In French, when you want to say yes, you say, oui, oui. You gotta be kidding me. Oh my God, that is hysterical. <laughs> oh man, and what do you say for no, doo-doo? <laughs> hey, I'll be right back. I gotta go take a wicked yes. So the question we have for you from my very mature Americans, as if you've ever had to write wee-wee in a report. Wee-wee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not just say no. we? Why is wee -wee. it wee-wee? No, it's not wee-wee. It's we. You know, but wee-wee uh, is like, yes, yes. You know, it's no, it doesn't make any sense. But wee-wee, uh, it's like, I believe it's like a cartoon. If you if you Google wee wee, it's a cartoon. It's a it's a very for very young cartoon. It's a, it's a 
yes, if you type wee oui, wee oui on Google, it's a cartoon. That's that's why I believe they make the joke about it. But no, uh, if we said yes, it's we. Oui. We said no, it's no. We just had an N to no. So when we were before we started recording, I, I really should have went with uh, Inspector Clouseau, but I said, hey, let's call you Pepe Le Pew. And you yes. said, what is that? And then what I found out is we Americans had bastardized that. Pepe Le Pew is called, what's he called in France? Pepe Le Putois. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's where we get, you know, the, oh, oui, oui. You know, it's from. Uh, Pepe Le Pew. No, no, no. It's Pepe Le Putois. No, 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 no. It's Pepe Le Putois. Pepe Le Pew. It's, that's why I was confused. Say, Pew, it was like, you know, because before it's an old cartoon, and there were for the story, there were a law in France when you need to francise all the other, other, other words, names, and everything. So, Pepe the Few went like Pepe le Putois, you know. Hey, it's JJ and Tin Man. You can listen to us on the Thin Line Rock Station. We're the radio station for first responders by first responders. We've got that unique first responder humor mixed with your favorite music. For the tactical guys, we've got Five Finger Death Punch. Smoke Eaters. Feel free to request George Straits the Fireman. Time spent in the sandbox. Metallica is on regular rotation. We didn't forget about EMS. We threw in some Taylor Swift. Our mission is not only to entertain our first responders, we use a portion of all proceeds to reach out to those that are struggling to get by. Our request and dedication line is always open, and our gift packs are designed to lift the spirits of any first responder. To help sponsor or request a gift pack, head over to our website, thethinlinerockstation.com, and be sure to share us with your friends and follow us on Facebook. With the more listeners we have, the more people we can help. We rock the thin line, because it ain't gonna rock itself. What are uh, some American traditions that you think would be fun that you guys don't participate in? <clears throat> there are a lot of things that you guys do, and it's pretty cool. There are a lot of things like, you know, going to shooting range and, and shoot a with a machine gun, a full auto machine gun. That's pretty cool, no? And I've seen videos of, I believe they're rednecks, you know? They're down in the counties and they're shooting at things. Things explode. They're with their car, the big cars, they, and they hit uh, mother too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know that's true. That's the, the true America, the rural America. You know, you don't go to America for New York. You go for America for you know the guns, for the barbecues. Uh, you go for America for the rednecks and the big cars that pollute uh, the planet. <laughs> yeah, with a fuck the planet. Woo! Yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, that's that's really fun. No, that's really fun. And, you know, America, the French when they when they talk about the Americans, they talk about guns. You know, they, they, most of the French are not uh, are not aware of oh they can get a gun and they just don't care. You know. But they went to an America, the United States. I know a lot of them that immediately went to the shooting range, and uh, I did uh, when I went um, in Miami like five years ago. I went to Machine Gun, uh, Machine Gun America. It's near, um, it's in Florida. It's near. I don't remember Kissimmee, Florida. 
I went there and I shoot some guns that are not available in Europe, like the M1 Garand, like typical American gun, the, the Liberty gun for me. You know, the gun that stormed the beaches on uh, on the D-Day and that's very, very emblematic from the of the United States. I shot uh, the M16, you know, that the... Um, it was uh, like it's the gun from the Vietnam War. I shoot some some incredible guns, and I think guns um, uh, it is truly a part of the American um, the American way of life, whether you like it or not. It was a country built by guns for guns with guns. And I'm proud to be an <laughs> All right. So the next question I've got for you is. Do you guys have an issue with recruiting officers like we have here where we're having a hell of a time finding people to be a cop? Do people want to be cops in France? It's used to be it, it used to be not a it used not to be a problem before. We're all a lot of person that want to be cops you now. But now it's changing. We have officers that a lot of officers are resigning. And it's gonna be a lie that Sometimes I want to, because sometimes I lost the passion of my job, the love of my job. I try my best to get it back, but sometimes it's pretty hard, you know. And sometimes resigning is in is there, and I say I could do something better. I could, could do something that makes me more happier. But you know, it's a love hate relationship. I get back into it. I say, hey, Jason, you're 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 a police officer. You, you that's what you you that's what God put you in this planet it's to be there it's to do that you know and i get back into it but a lot of officers are resigning and they are tending to struggling recruiting but we got more problems with resigning because recruiting is not a problem but when an, an officer like he got 20 years of experience is resigning it's it's a very hard loss for for police because you lost a guy that's that has experience that uh, you could use uh, on multiple mission, and a guy with experience is way more valuable to a rookie officer. Not not gonna lie. And the next question I have from a very mature person is: Are <laughs> our white flag standard issue? Well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 I wasn't gonna ask, but I was like, I got to. I got you? to. <laughs> um, you know, it's a it's a joke, but sometimes it's a, it 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 hit us because you know French has the most battle won in the entire world, and it's an historical fact, you know. And I think it's a joke that was that went very popular. You know what? Uh, after in two thousand three, where um, we refused to get in war with you with the United States in Iraq, and there were a lot of French bashing. And this that joke went very popular there, and that that's a joke, but that's not very fair because you know, uh, uh, in World War Two, the first country to to surrender was Poland, then Belgium. You know, that's not that was not France. We had no choice, but you know, it it is what it is. All right, let's uh. Let's change subjects a little bit. Well, let's see. We asked somebody who asked if there's any. All right. I just, okay. You got to ask this. Have you ever been to a call where someone has struck another person with a baguette? 
you want you really want me to tell you such things? Are you ready for this? I bet there is. I'm gonna say there is. If a dildo is considered as a baguette, yes. <laughs> dildo I, attacks I, are prevalent all over the world, yeah. I believe. Everything's a dildo for brave enough. For the story, I was dispatched to a call with the fire department, and they were uh, they were dispatched to a guy with uh, a dildo stuck in his ass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and when they told me on the radio, "Yeah, go there for this," I was like, "Damn, what the fuck?" Uh, I was like, it, "We're not joking on radios because it's pretty conventional." I say, "I could be a joke." I don't think so. I don't know. I'm going to get there. I, I arrived there and firemen were laughing and everything. And uh, they greet us. They greet us because we know them and they know us. Uh, we got a good relationship with them. And he said, okay, here's the thing. Uh, there was a guy that called us because he get, he's, he's got a deal, a uh, very long deal though, but he was stuck inside his, his ass and he couldn't get it, get it off. And we have to take it to the, to the hospital. And that was pretty awkward because uh, I, I had to went to the ambulance to ask for the, the, the guy identification for my report. And the most, the, the awkward thing that his wife show up on scene. <laughs> um, yeah. And his wife went there. She was very worried. She found that her husband got a, got a, an attack or something it was bad so i had to explain to her wife that her husband went into a parking lot to play with a baguette and the baguette eventually gets stuck in inside of him and now he's got to get to hospital to get a surgery to get the, the baguette uh, off of him that was pretty awkward all right so the next question and i think this is where we're going to leave instagram have the ladies finally started to shave? Um, no, because uh, come on, <laughs> I couldn't get serious for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there now it's really more popular ladies that don't shave. I don't know if it's only in Europe, but and I don't know if it's in the United States as well. You know, with the feminist movement and everything. And they didn't. They didn't shave, and yeah, I don't know if it, it's the same in the United States. It's pretty more proper, but no, French girls are French girls are French girls are awesome, and I believe they are the most beautiful girls in the, in the world. Well, besides all the hair, if you can get past the yeah. hair, if you like the hair, you would be more than happy. You know, um, I I feel like France is just kind of stuck in you know what we we call like the 70s and 80s where if you find like an old porno magazine just the, the bush is out of control but <laughs> it, look at this folks we went from terrorism to bush in one podcast but uh, yeah i would say my perception and i've been married for a long time but my perception is uh there's uh not a lot of hair here in in the states but the French women have always kind of had that perception. Also, the armpits too, which I know can be kind uh, of a sour good. subject, but that's got to go. You got to shave that. Yeah, when when you got hairs, when down, if it's 
fits good and it's not a problem with me. But yeah, in the other parts it just it got me. But that's my own uh, my own thing, you know. I don't want to hurt somebody. <laughs> maybe some there maybe are some guys that do like hairs, you know. But I'm not the type of one. All right, we have come to my my very dumb questions. Are you ready? Uh always ready. Okay. What are your plans when you retire? What are you gonna do? Oh damn! If I if I can retire, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know what? It's 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 a dumb answer, but I just want to be happy, like my dad is. My dad retired in two thousand two. And the guy is the happiest man in the world. You know, he's living a simple man's life. He's having some barbecues, drinking some alcohol, and enjoying life. And he's, I want to be peaceful, you know, because when a cop is, is a fight, you're always a fight. You're fighting with people. You, you, know, you, you know what I mean. You know, it's pretty stressful. And for my retirement, I, I, want, to, I want to be in peace, you know like my dad is and you know my dad to me is 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 a kind of hero is my personal hero and i want to follow his path because i'm very proud of him and i, I want to be like him he's enjoying life he's happy and i think that's the most important thing for for anybody i like that that's maybe one of the best answers i've ever gotten there yeah i don't have any fancy dreams no no boards nothing i want to be happy which it could include a million dollar i would accept Send him money right now. Venmo him money right now <laughs> so he can retire. Exactly. Sooner than expected. <laughs> Would you do it all over again? Would you join the police force? Or if you could go back in time, do you think you would go do something different? Well, that's a pretty hard question you ask me. Yeah. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Let me explain you why. You know, like I said, some it's a love hate relationship that I have with the police department now. I do love my job. No, no, no doubt about this. But, you know, sometimes there are days that I say, is it worth it? All the sacrifice, you know, all the days uh, I couldn't spend with my family, all the risk I took, all the shitty things I went through with my officers, all the trauma you can get through and you don't realize it until you, until it comes to you, you know? I knew some officers that, I have trauma due to a terrorist attack, due to hard things, you know. They got PTSD and everything. Thankfully, it's not my case, but is it worth it? Sometimes I've said, and, you know, you're having a bad day and you're just having a call. You help somebody and you see the smile on their face. You help, you do whatever. You do a lot to help them and they're thankful and gives you, you know, it gives you strength. Uh, it gives you more strength. And if I do it again, yes. Yes, I would have done it again and I wouldn't have changed. But you know, sometimes you doubt, but I would have done it again without a doubt. What is the dumbest thing you ever did as a rookie? <laughs> the dumbest thing I ever done? Oh, it was very dumb. I was a traffic division. And... Um, we're dispatched for a an object on the road, you know, and sometimes you dispatch for some kind of thing. So you do a traffic break and, you know, to, to slow down the traffic and um, and uh, you, you get on the road. 
and uh, you took the object down and that's the animation. It's a, it's a pretty easy image. And uh, the thing, it's, it's stupid, but uh, uh, I do the traffic break. I slow down the traffic for over a mile. And just to realize that the object was exactly on that road, but on the fucking other side. So I slowed <laughs> down the traffic for, for nothing. I had to do it again. And I lost time, but you know, when you don't pay attention to where it's located, you lost time. And well, now it's an object on the road; it's nothing. But uh, you could, you could, you could, uh, you could lose time uh, for not paying attention. That's. But after you know what, you do a lot of stupid things. But I tend to forget them because uh, I like I like to forget uh, shameful things. As you should. Don't dwell on the past. Yeah, no. Focus on the on the future. Do you have a favorite dead guy call? Oh, I do a lot of them. I will, I will, I will, um, yes, there's one that I remember. That I remember. We were dispatched on a dead person. Uh, she was a 40 years old woman, very sick, and she had a, an hospital bed, you know, uh, uh, back uh, in her house because she couldn't. She couldn't get to the hospital and everything. She was, they get. She was very sick and she was. Uh, she had a lot of cancer and she died uh, at home alone. So we were dispatched by by uh, the by the fire department that tried to save her, but anyway, she was dead. So they gave us uh, the death certificate and they leave. So we had to search for families uh, over so they can get into the house and uh, so we could leave. And uh, the, the the woman was laid on the floor. So we said, okay, um, we're going to get her into her bed. And so she would, she would, it would be nice for her family when they were wired. We put her into a bed and um, there were like some bloods on the ground because she split some bloods when she died and it was on the ground. And it was a little bit disgusting. You know, it was blood and uh, a manager of mixture that was on her, on her, on her stomach. It was pretty disgusting, you know. And uh, my partner found the number of her daughter. We called her, and we announced that uh, her mom has passed away. And she said, "Okay, I'm I'm here. Like in five minutes, I'm I'm ready nearby. I'm here." So we wait, and. Uh, that woman had a dog, you know, a small dog. Uh-huh. And the dog was like kind of stupid, you know. <laughs> and the dog looked at us and just he went through the you know the blown mixture was on the ground. It started to <laughs> Wait, was this the daughter's dog or the the old the, lady's the, dog? The, the, the whole lady's dog. Oh. He started to oh. lick it. I said, I said, stop it. What the fuck are you doing? It's disgusting, you know. And then he was like, no, 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 um, and let me lick it. Um, okay. So he licks oh. uh, the, the, <laughs> the thing. It was pretty disgusting. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to vomit, you know. But anyway, the daughter arrived. She was, she was like, um, you know, when somebody announced the death, you know, it's not a good thing. She was, she was not in a good mood and everything. We announced the death. We gave her the gift certificate. And we said, okay, we put your mom in our bed. She's resting. She's nice. We're sorry. Couldn't do anything to help you out. Let, let us know and everything. You know the, the habitual stuff. 
and the dog was still licking the, the thing and he spot that uh, the daughter was there. <laughs> it was a familiar face for the dog. So the dog ran into the daughter and the daughter took the dog in her arms and the dog licks the no! face. No! <laughs> the no! Daughter. You have to greet oh. the dog. God! And she, she was kissing <laughs> the dog. Dude, she was kissing the dog on, on, you know, on the face of, and the dog was licking the face of that woman. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> keep, keep focused. Don't, don't, don't fucking smile. Keep focused. My partner leaves the house because she couldn't get, uh, she couldn't uh, hold her, uh, her smile. She left the house. She left me alone. I was like, damn. And, uh, uh, I, I leave the I left the horse when I, as I remained serious and then that was that was uh that was it. <laughs> that yeah, is amazing. Me. That is one that's of my favorite stories. Yeah. I uh I I usually make memes to uh be the cover art for the podcast and we'll see yeah. if I can create a meme to capture that moment in time. Oh yeah, that was a pretty hard moment, you know. What is the proudest moment of your career? Proudest moment of my career. Um, proudest moment of my career would probably be the day that uh, we arrest a guy that was planning to murder his wife. Um, the guy had an argument with her wife, with his wife, sorry, and uh, and. Um, the wife called the PD and said, okay, the guy's on and he would have the house with guns. He left his phone so you can't look at him. And he, he said, I will kill you. And he left. So we had to patrol uh, nearby the, the house of the of the lady and we spot the car and we try to pull over him and um, the, the guy took off because they don't want to get caught. So went to chase. And, uh, you know, pit maneuver is, is pretty American. It's not very common in Europe, except in England. It's not permitted in France until very uh, extreme situation like this. And uh, the guy uh, took off and I said, okay, uh, it's, I don't want the guy to run into her ex, her wife house. Let's hand it. Uh, I decided to pit the car, and uh, the car went uh, to a barrier, and we arrest the guy. And the guy had uh, a gun fully loaded, and um, we arrest him, and he was planning to to kill his uh, his ex wife. And it was a pretty proud moment for for us because we. We really saved a life that day. You know, it's you know, you, you know. Sometimes you save life, but you don't realize it. You know, when you arrest somebody uh, driving uh, under the influence or or something, you're probably saving his life, but you don't realize it. But it's when you arrest somebody with a gun that trying to kill somebody. You know, it's pretty. You know, it's it's for real. You know, and uh, we were really proud of this. Come on. 
something I like to ask people, and I base this on a lot of cops that work night shift. You find yourself listening to weird shit, whether podcast or AM radio. And there was yes. a, uh, a show here in the, the States, and I think it's still around, called Coast to Coast. And there was talk about aliens and ghosts occasionally. Do you right. have any alien or ghost stories that you'd like to share with the listeners? I had not a ghost story, but uh, I used to work. I, I'm working in Northern, like I told you, in Northern Paris, and uh, there was a lot of drug dealing problems, you know, and uh, they do sell drugs uh, in, in various parts. And there's a drug dealing point that was located in a cemetery. Yeah, I know it's pretty weird stuff. And yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's very disrespectful for the dead. And oh, so my commissioner uh, told us that, okay, I want that, that drug dealing point to get down. It's not possible. Uh, this one is going down. So we make a strategy to, to get the guys uh, in the act and with the, with the drug. Uh, so it was night shift. We went to paint clothes and uh, with uh, unmarked vehicles and we arrived nearby the cemetery. And we were uh, walking through the cemetery during the night. You know, it's a pretty different atmosphere than in the day. And we were, uh, we were, um, we were marching into the cemetery. Uh, and we were, we need to be discreet because we don't want to get spotted by, by the by the drug dealers, and so they would run away, and we couldn't get them. And uh, you know. Um, I was getting between two tombstones and I was sitting down uh, and I was not really, you know, that was not really a good part for me because I, I don't like to, 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 to be in the cemetery in the night and um, I, officers, other officers were scared and one of the officers was really scared of getting into the cemetery and um he, he didn't want to go there, so he said, "Okay, let, you know what? I'm going back to cars, and I'm, 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 I will be with the cars, so the cars would be safe." Okay, but eventually we get the guys that were selling drugs there in the cemetery. So no ghost or alien thing, but you know, almost like, uh, almost like ghost because uh, I, I didn't want to, to to have trouble with the dead of the cemetery. Yeah, you don't want to disturb them. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I presume in France, you guys do not have what I affectionately believe is the best patrol car of all time, the Crown Victoria. Crown Victoria. And that, yes. Do you guys have those or no? What do you think? I'm assuming no, but I really hope yes. You're wrong. We used to have it. Remember when I told you about? <laughs> you remember when I told you about local police? Yes. Um, you know, national officer. Uh, it's the state that borrow your cars. We got SUVs, uh, made in France and everything. So okay, but local police they can buy whatever they want. And back in like uh, in two thousand five and. 2005 to 2010, 
the city of Montpellier do have um, Crown Victoria interceptors police cars. They do have them. Uh, if you want, I can I can send I can find pictures of it. But they were the only American police cars uh, in France. They are the only Crown Victoria. So you know, the Crown Victoria was still present in the in 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 France. That's that's really beautiful, man. What is uh yeah. that you've driven? What is the best police car out there that you guys normally uh, get? Have, I don't know if you're if you're very familiar with the European brand. Uh, we got French brand uh, Peugeot. Uh, yeah. We are driving a Peugeot five thousand eight, which is an SUV. I could send you pictures of the car if you wanna after this. Yeah, yeah. It's a French SUV. It's we got space. It's it's. It's a little bit similar to the. It's our Ford Crown. It's our Ford. Um, uh, you know, um, there is the Ford SUV you got, guys. Uh, what's our name? What's his name before? Um, the Explorer. The, the Explorer. Yes, it's our okay. French Explorer. You know, it's not okay. that big, but it's our French Explorer. Uh, we got that, and we also have um, Skoda Octavia wagon police car, which was pretty nice. You know. It's a, a a German brand car. It works pretty nice, but you know, in Europe, cars are not that fancy. In the United States, you know, I wish I could have an American police car for my patrol, but you know, you got to deal with the French cars. All right. So the last, well, second to last question I have for you, but the most important question I have for you, people, I believe, listen to these entire podcasts for this question, because it is the most important thing. People don't, people don't care about everything else. They don't care about protests or our thoughts. They want to know, have you ever shit your pants? <laughs> um, like every cop, the one that says that never fear, experience fear. Uh, I believe they're liars or they, they don't have enough experience. I don't say that I have a lot of experience, you know, um, like to stay humble, but you know, yeah, there are situations that you you you, you shit your pants. Yes, uh, I remember. I was working. Uh, I was working uh, on the um, on the jail because sometimes we have to to stay at the station to guarding to guard the jail. And when you're working into jail, you don't have guns. You don't have you don't have no weapon. Okay, it's safety measure. And uh, I was like there, and a guy was he was a black man, like very tall, very muscular. The guy could have eat me uh, for its lunch, you know. The guy was really big, and um, the guy uh, was pretty calm and asked for going to toilets. And before toilets used to be outside of the cell, so you got to open the cell, get them to the toilets, and get back to the cell. It was pretty dangerous because sometimes. Sometimes they try to uh, they try to leave that way. So the guy pulled me, asked me to go to, to toilets. I say okay. I open and get to toilets very very nicely. I say okay, yeah, let's get back to to to, to jail. And he look at me in the eyes and say, I ain't going nowhere. And I was alone, and I was like, man, you're going to jail. From one way to another, but you don't have. Remember, you don't have any weapon, any ties, anything. You just have yourself, you know. And the man, the guy, was like, okay, and he was, you know, um, crushing his fingers. 
and he was like ready to fight, you know. And I say, okay, uh, that guy is gonna hit me because he was very, very, very tall, very muscular, very impressive guy, you know. That guy you don't want to get in trouble with. And uh, the guy was ready to have a fight, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my ass beat, but and I was calling for backup, you know, but. I didn't know if officer was were, were at the station. Sometimes you're alone. And <clears throat> the guy, at the moment, I saw a red dot, uh, a red laser point at his chest. And uh, thankfully, an officer uh, was there and uh, with the taser, taser aim right before he is, right before he gets violent, and we get back him into the cell safely and. Yeah, that day I really shit my pants. <laughs> Not gonna say I was really surprised because I, I wasn't, I I didn't, I was really surprised by the reaction of the man. I didn't knew he was getting because he was really cool at the beginning, you know. But I learned I not trust people uh, that easily. Okay, so just yeah. just for clarification, <laughs> did you figurative figuratively shit your pants or literally shit your pants in that situation no 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 i don't i don't shit my pants like the way you think i was just uh, all right no we're i i mean like literally shit your pants like poop in your pants no 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 i never experienced such things <laughs> oh so you are a liar no no, no. i never shit my pants <laughs> like uh, like uh, no poop in the pants all right, I I have to know my own curiosity. If you were to say in in French, "I shit my pants," could you translate that for me? Exactly. We would say "Je me suis shit dessus." <laughs> yeah. All right. I just shit my pants. Yeah, we use it a lot of time. Well, on that note, I I think we've come to the conclusion of the podcast. Do you have any? words of wisdom for all the millions of listeners out there well for the millions of listeners just stay safe and try to try your best to be happy you know it's the most important thing if you're happy in law enforcement stay in law enforcement if you're not happy and you, you have to believe that you might leave you know there's no shame about it you better it's better to leave than having um you know to have to, to do such, uh, you know, officers are going through to hard things and some officers are hardly, um, you know, they can, I don't know, they can uh, sometimes have bad ID and, you know, try your best to be happy and stay safe uh, and stay safe. That's the most important thing is going home after. Absolutely. Well said, man. Well, hey, dude, I uh, I appreciate all your time. I assume it's probably starting to get a little late there. We have a little bit of a, a time difference. Yes, it's uh, we don't use the same uh, hours format. For me, it's 21.15, which is uh, almost 22. It's 9 p.m. almost. Okay. Well, everybody that's uh, listening, thanks again for uh, tuning in for another Poorly Made Police podcast. Do all the things you guys do to uh, make this keep going. Tell a friend, tell a family member all those great things. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of the podcast. Go give them some love. Check out poorly made police memes, merch, go to ghost patch, check out my coins, check out all their stuff, all the things you guys do, all the things you guys do to make this thing work. With that said, 
remember, don't let a dog kiss you after it's been near a body. <laughs> and I love most of you. Bye-bye. <laughs>